Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Martin, how are you, brother? Good. How are you, Chris? Mate, I'm absolutely, I'm so fantastic. I think you should lock me up <laughs> in a big iron cage with a big padlock that says, this man is so firing, don't let him out. Because like yeah. you're winning the war. It's going your way. It's going your way, mate. <laughs> mate, spiritual battle, isn't it? Every day, yeah. every day. And uh it's pendulum quite... the pendulum always swings back yes. always swings back it does but it's so funny now mark because like i view life and people and relationship in a really different light now um <clears throat> i i've really realized it it i don't want to sound like really judgmental because you know there was a time in our life you're not born enlightened are you it's it it's certainly not into this bloody crock of you know what but but it's something you all learn so what i mean is we all were a bit like in the dark once weren't we and a bit naive and doing silly things and probably being a bit horrible to people well <laughs> you know doing a lot of stuff we probably shouldn't have done whatever but but you know you had your experience over there in iraq getting uh we're going to show friends at home we're going to show you a bit of martin's footage in a minute even though it'll get us kicked off youtube but you had your experience there, mate, and I, I've obviously been, you know, had a few scraps over the years. But in life now, I, I never realised if you fight the spiritual battle, you're a very different person to get on with. You know, it's like me and you. I just I, I look really looking forward to tonight because I just know we always have a good chat. I know you got my back. I got your back. There's no, you know, there'd, there'd never be any nonsense between us. And yeah. What a funny way to start a podcast. <laughs> I've um I've had uh, an interesting year. Obviously, I've been on a building site for the last year. I mean, you, you know I've been working on a building site and uh that 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 helped me pay for um a lot of these festivals that we've been to and and uh and you know winning the the Cannes World Film Festival. He's plugging his film already, but <laughs> look at that. How many seconds was that? Three three look seconds. At all these, look at all these awards. It's ha- taken me ages to put these certificates up. I'll tell you what, right? Let, let's <laughs> let's promote the hell out of your achievements, mate, because you you are a, a, a shining light in the darkness of what can be achieved. Um, when oh my, do you know how many holes and pits I've had to dig on a building site to pay for these festivals? <laughs> I've always... Every every pit I dug, I knew it was for the right reasons, and it's all paid off. And yes, uh, big shout out to MC Builders. Who I've been working in Luke to, to, <laughs> to. Are they actually called MC Builders? Yeah, like MC Hamner. It's Mark, Mark Cottingham. Well, their son, edit, their son, that, that edited this film. So, with that, so oh, they literally mate. built built this film on a built their son uh, as the editor, and uh, yeah, he 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 managed to put this film together when it was. Um, it's called Jordan Cottingham, and yes. he's now he's now working for Netflix. Wow, and I have actually, was I met him or at least been sat two seats away from him, haven't I? Yeah, well, they were trying to urge the parents to make more, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> no, he he didn't he didn't he didn't turn up to premiere because he had uh, 
the old TV, like, so he couldn't come along. But oh, so I was staring at someone else, thinking that was Jordan the whole yeah, night. Yeah, no, he wasn't there. He's a phantom, mate. He's the ghost. He yes. spent all his time in when when everyone was in lockdown, just editing away. And for a nineteen-year-old lad to put this film together, the the the, the intelligence this guy shown, like, because I was thinking he's a youngster. How is he going to get his head around PTSD, domestic violence, mental health? And he. he He's definitely the second director because he, he he pulled out of a film that was just basically a load of crap on a hard drive. It wasn't a load of crap. It was shot really well. But you could have the best film in the world. But if you don't know how to edit it and put that, you, you know, you edit yourself. You've got to pull, you've got to extract the film from all of the, the content that you've got. And uh, people don't get it, do they? They think don't realise how editing is so uh, hard. We got, um, there's my man Luke there in the chat. Oh. Yeah. Ruling, Pepper, big ru- shout out to Luke, nice yeah, guy. Ruling, I met him yet. Yeah, ruling the chat with his iron rod, but um, it's you just would never know the hours that the hours that go, goes goes into it just just for a like a six minute clip or something it can take three days to. It's I mean okay, some probably super fast editors out there that. Have, you know, it's well, well, Richard Atkinson, who you met him, who edited the first film, Diary of a Disgraced Soldier, um, the, the first film I made. Literally, he had three hundred hours of, of. I might be insulting him there. Three hundred hours of not not like hard drive stuff, but the the DV tapes. Remember, because when we were first shooting that that documentary with those little DV tapes. Remember the little digital video tapes. Yes, and then you've got to then then you've got to format that, put it onto. You've got to format it into electrical data. I don't know how they do that. And mm. then um, and then compile the film. And he spent, I think, two years putting Diary together. Yeah. And it was, if it, is, it wasn't done for these two editors, so, you know, Richard um, Atkinson and, and Jordan Cottenham, I, I, I wouldn't have these two films. You know, so the remarkable people that are willing to sit down and go like, like Luke does with your stuff and, and put together something so it's watchable. Yeah, and it's not just that, but, you know, if I was to get anybody else, they charge me thousands, Martin, you know, and I have had to pay other people and it just becomes ridiculous because they're earning like five times more, well, probably 50 times more than the podcast makes. Yeah. Some of our videos make, well, a lot of them don't make any money because they're demonetized right from the go. Some of them, you get a really great guest. You have the best chat of your life, or one of them, and they make like one pound fifty, and it's all the effort contacting people, <laughs> phoning them up, you know, swapping e- details through email. Da 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 da. The the, the it, it doesn't even pay for me to do this this bloody overlay <laughs> to put their net, you know, to get it, find it in my, on my hard drive. But edit, it's edit. it. It's content that you're you're you're, you're producing is it's the value like your your stuff could be viewed in a thousand years time you know it, the the stuff that you're producing like Diary of a Disgraced Soldier I know that film has never been a hit you know because not a lot of people want to sit through watching someone you know an hour of watching someone go through post traumatic stress disorder videoing themselves doing it um, but at some point that film will be studied and looked back at and now we're coming up for was it the 20th anniversary next year of, of Iraq? People are going to start perking up a bit of interest because as time goes on, people show interest in the wars gone by, don't they? So people might be interested in some of the some of the angles that we covered. But this is a big shout out to all the editors out there. You do an amazing job. And um, it's always good to have that second opinion, isn't it? Because sometimes we'll make something 
we think that's great but then an editor will come down and take it like right down to like what you've got an hour down to 20 minutes worth absolutely it's no uh, different it's exactly the same yeah. process as in writing is kill your darlings get rid of it yes i know you love writing it i love you love filming it you thought oh this will make them no just just if it doesn't need to be there cut it less is more isn't it to be to be fair when we made when we made penitent there was only a couple of like times where i had to sort of put my foot down as a director saying no this is because obviously i had my vision but pretty much 80 percent of everything that jordan did throughout the film was was better than what i could have imagined does that make sense it was yes. like better, better than what I, and I was like, oh my God, like when he put all the stuff in with the, the dream sequence stuff that's in the film and everything all that he, 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 he added like that, it sort of brought an, another dimension to the film, almost like he was psychically reading my mind of what I wanted, but it was better than what I expected. Yeah. Listen, before we go any further, so let's just show our friends at home uh, a bit of your footage. So just bear with us, mate. Okay. I got a, Friends at home, I've got to pause this a bit because every podcast I've done with Martin has had the old money thing scrubbed off it. So there's something we're saying, Martin. It's, it's, it's probably this little clip, so I might just try and get away with playing a little bit. Is that why I've never made a penny from it? Yes. <laughs> yes, you, I'll, I'll, your royalties, mate, are, they're going straight to YouTube right here. Yeah, mate, I'm so happy it's all come good for you not not that I, you know I, like there's a doubt it 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 would because good things happen you, you know if you behave yourself good things happen to you don't they and well, um, it's, it's interesting when you were playing that because i could hear it in the back of my my headphones and it's always a test for me because like there was a couple of comments put today like from people i know and i grew up with and that that put like oh you're not a disgraced soldier and stuff like that and it was interesting when i saw those today because you know i, I do I do worry a little bit like what me mum and you know people that are close to me think when they see it because it doesn't affect it doesn't affect me but I wouldn't like it to affect other people you know and on the building site lads make a joke and that about it and the thing is I can laugh about it now I couldn't laugh about it years ago. if I'd gone back 15 years post all my therapy process and stuff like that I couldn't even laugh about it I was it used to make me feel sick so it, when I was listening to that in the in the AR headset or whatever I was um I was, I was testing myself I'm going does that does that pull me? Obviously, it's not something I want to spend the rest of my life constantly watching all the time, but it's a test for me to to realize how far I've come. And yeah, all these awards are great on the things I'm doing now and whatnot. But the, one of the greatest things I learned was um, to get to that point in your life where it doesn't matter what anyone writes about you, what people think. Was it I read the other day? What people think about you is none of your business, you know, because unfortunately we live in a world now where people get very offended by what's written about them stuff like that and if you've got mental health issues that's just going to compound those factors so all i say to anyone out there struggling with that is if you've got a label if you've got it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you you've just got to work on yourself to get to that point where you where, where whatever if someone gives you a t-shirt and it says dickhead on it and you choose to wear that that's your choose that's your choice to wear that if someone gave me a t-shirt to say wear a t-shirt said disgraced soldier i wouldn't wear it because i know i'm not a disgraced soldier you know yeah, exactly. It's um, there's there's lots of stuff, isn't there? There's um, what's the expression that Naz Hussein taught me? Uh, the dogs bark, but the caravan keeps moving. I love it. <laughs> or or flax heaviest when you're over the target, isn't it? Or, or being labelled disgraced by people who, who, who I I view as the media 
especially in this country at the moment as some of the most abysmal human beings on the planet you know to be to be labeled a disgrace by probably the personification of evil itself is quite a tall order so yeah. i laugh at you know i laugh at, at people like because you know when when the when all this smoke is cleared and the dust has settled i wouldn't want to be part of the media or all these people that have been pushing this agenda for the last two because they're going to have yeah, a real, let, let, real let, let, <laughs> let's just stick with the word agenda just because yeah no 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 I, 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 I mate i'm totally on board it's falling down isn't it it's oh, coming mate. down quickly Big it's time. coming down quickly and the, I, the rats are jumping this ship like they're yeah. backpedaling like this <laughs> i'm just so i just got massive feelings of pride welling up in me for all those people well some of us called it from the beginning didn't we right from the start we said come on really but again but again chris because of what you've been through and what i've been through it's easy for us to see that but when you it the veil had to fall and and now it is falling and crumbling around people are now starting to see it and waking up but unless you've had that realization if everything's perfect in your life how can you ever you know, everyone was in their comfort zone, you know. Many still are, aren't they? And um, it's it's just incredible that off such a, a bad, bad thing, so much goodness. Oh, mate, absolutely. So much goodness has come out of it. And when I see, oh, just, it's almost like they tried to do this and what it actually caused, rather than, like, <laughs> more totalitarianism, it's actually caused a great awakening. Um, didn't really... You know, you, you have to keep faith all along. Otherwise, why why would you talk about freedom? Why would you dedicate your life to, to it? Or certainly, you know, I think I can hold my hand up asking a lot of people. And so you've pretty much dedicated two years. To, I, th I to... think the, for me that the heroes that I've seen is that the 100K. I mean, I don't know if I can say that on here, but the 100K for me. I mean, I've just been, I'm in talks with free uh medical professionals that are in the you know what in that system and they are literally facing down the barrel again they've got mortgages to pay they've got kids to feed and they are they're just like we're not gonna we're not gonna take this procedure or whatever and we're they're about to lose their job for it. and i've been chatting with them and i've what i did was three of them contacted me separately and then what i did is i put them together in a group and i've just been trying to offer them a little bit of just saying, hold the line, hold, you know, please hold the line. Obviously, they're not, they're not going to do the procedure or whatever, but it's just to see, I thought, what, what would I do if I was in their position? You know, you've worked hard, you've spent 20 years of your life into something that you totally believe in. And I remember when I got to the army and, you know, with, with all, all that happened in Iraq, and then when all the veils started to, to crumble around and then the, the media turned on me and the British army turned on me and you realise that you actually you're just a, a number, a very small cog, a very small broken cog in a huge machine. And then I feel sorry, but then that perhaps they've got to come out of that system. I don't know. I even offered them, you know, I said, if you want to get involved, what I'm doing with the therapy work that I've been doing for the last, because I, I would, I would love to have some of these people because, because the moral fiber they're showing now with, with standing up to this huge of, of losing their, I mean, I, that for me, that they are freedom fighters, you know, modern yes. day freedom for a battle of psych, it's all psyops, isn't it? It's going on. It's all this. Yeah, but I course. just, I just think it's going to swing back the other way, and it's all going to get scrapped. I just think if they can hold the line right to the last safe moment, you know, like what they call it in in the military terms, the last safe moment is the last round going down. 
I think they'll definitely U-turn and it will be a victory for the 100K because, God, I'm so, feel so, um, so sorry for their situation, you know? Yeah, and um, what it will do, or certainly what it needs to do, is snowball into not stopping there because... Well, if it if it goes through with them, then it's been, and then I think then the, what what we got to wait for is then all the legal stuff will go through because you'll get all the legal stuff to start start to happen, and once that starts to happen, I reckon in the next two years you're going to see, oh, have you been unfair dismissed? Or I think all that stuff, the lawyers will be all over it. It'll turn into a business, and they'll look back at this two years and think, God, I can't believe, and all these people that have been bullying people and perpetrating this stuff, they'll they'll come to jail. The pendulum always mm. swings back. Yeah, but let's let's remember a few things. So first off, all these people bullying are just minor puppets in the game, aren't they? Oh, I boss, know that. I know. Bo- I know bosses that. in the NHS, they're dickhead corporately. They ain't pulling the strings. This this agenda ain't going nowhere. And anyone that thinks it is 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 utterly deluded, right? And this is the danger that we're already falling into. Is people think it's about the last two years? Whoa! Come on, do you? Do your reading. You know, this book was written 70, was it 70 years ago, Martin, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just sorry, I don't want to get my lecturer's head on, but it it's it's it, it's like we don't we don't just stop at Berlin this time. We we go all the way to Moscow, if you get what I'm saying. It, it, mm. That's a really good that's a really good euphemism, met metaphor. It is good, mate. That's good. You want to copyright that one? <laughs> and when we get to Moscow, bloody Siberia. And I love the Russians as well. I hate all this this stuff about getting starting a war, with Russia. Now, without Russia, we wouldn't have defeated. We wouldn't have defeated Hitler and that tyranny. I mean, I don't want to get into all the politics of like who was on what side or whatever. But you know, in a day, it's just it's just another narrative they're going to start pushing now. Oh, let's hate Russian people. No, let's not hate Russian people. In the day, mm-hmm. it's it's. Let's let's come together. Let's be grown up. Sit around the table, and and talk about things. And let's not have another yeah, two this, years. This of... is exactly the point I made at the start. Is can you see now in life who's not grown ups? Like literally, they think they're adults, but they're actually children just in a grown up. Well, I don't get as how the extreme left who are supposed to be so lovey dovey. Oh, we love everyone. We want to save everyone's lives. Are so that they have this almost like psychotic behaviour of like becoming um it's almost like daddy issues mummy and daddy issues that they have the unresolved like with with the pushing of the the agenda that's just gone past <laughs> it's just but if i can just go back to one point that, that i noticed right when i was when i was a soldier when i served out in iraq right and just before i went to iraq we were all told you need to take the six injections i think it was the six injections i had of amfrax right mm-hmm. we got told that, that saddam was going to use chemical weapons on us uh because he's going to use nerve agent on us and amphrax and stuff that that hor- horrendous weapons of mass destruction and biological chemical weapons so we're going for all our nuclear biological chemical weapon training we're getting the uh, amphrax jabs we're even being shown a video that says look this is directly linked to um post-traumatic stress disorder from Gulf war one and saying that the combination of having amphrax in a real small period right having the inoculations that the government were offering and taking the nerve agent pre-treatment scent was what triggered Gulf War syndrome, apparently. So we're watching these videos, and even the MO is going like, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to take this, but we recommend you take it because, and it was very much the, and then like our senior officers were saying, well, if you don't take it, you're not going to war. 
And obviously I wanted to go to war and I was like, get that stuff banged into me. You can't get that stuff quick. Get it in me now. That's how, because of my, my programming, my programming is, this is, this was my, this was my moment to go to war and no one was going to stop me. I even fell out with my parents because my dad said it was a lot of rubbish and, and that Tony Blair was a liar and all this stuff. And I was like, no, it's not, you know, we, we need to go there. We need, you know, 30 minutes notice to move that they can have scud missiles into this country. <laughs> and again, it was believing the bullshit. So I was like so programmed to believe in what I was doing because I had to, to go out and do that job. And I remember being nasty to other, other soldiers that weren't, again, I'm not taking that jab. I remember, I remember being that myself, being that angry. Go, well, why not? You're in the military. You take the jab. You take the jab. And I'm Can just we being stop like, using the J word. All right, sorry, sorry. Take the anthrax. Take the not, nothing else. The, Taking the take the thing. Take the thing. That's yeah. it. Take the thing. Okay, so so just going back to where my my mental state was, and I remember being so angry because I hadn't awoken. It was only till I became ousted out of the military, which I left on my own accord in the end, but. And I, I become awake, awoke at the devastation that I've been involved in in Iraq and all the problems we caused and all the millions of people that died over there and all of that, all of that, all of that disaster, all of that carnage that we created in, in, in Iraq for that country. And then the PTSD began and it, it was the PTSD was the awakening of, um, of all the lies I've been, I'd swallowed, but also been stupid enough to, to think that, you know, taking the um the thing um and now and now i see again history repeating itself and because i've been through that process and i woke up a lot of these people will look back in 10 years time and go oh my god i can't believe i believe what the government were telling me but it takes time yes um, does, it, does that make sense what i'm trying to get across that i've been that person who's who's been negative yeah, well, towards people and then i awoke from that yeah well this is what i was saying isn't it you know Here's the funny thing. I mean, we were all that person once. I remember when our aircraft carrier pulled into Bremerhaven in Germany mm. and these harmless peace protesters, uh, peace campaigners walked down the dockside and they were handing out some, I don't know, Greenpeace leaflet. And, you like that? and, and they tried to give one to me. I remember like I, I, I either shoved the guy away from me or I took the leaflet and I just ripped, ripped, ripped. <laughs> you, you know, it... it and even if I didn't do, oh, Chris. if I didn't that's actually, awful. that's yeah, but, awful. <laughs> if I didn't actually do those things, it's like I was thinking of doing it. You know, you're going straight to hell for that. Well, <laughs> this is the thing, though. But um, what was know, his face when you when you ripped it up? What was his face like? Well, it was the same. I was in God. I was a real bastard, you know. I, when I was in Canada once. Um, backpacking around Canada and some guy walked towards me and this was the first Gulf conflict Mm. and uh, he had a a, like a troops out the Gulf Mm. t-shirt and you know obviously now I know he's like one of the good guys (laughs) he knows what's going on on the planet (laughs) he was switched on he was yeah but back then I'm like I got my camera out and I just like made a real point of taking his photo and he's like hey buddy don't take my phone. It was, I'm like, yeah, F, F you. And, and this is it. But but do you, do you not think that when you go in the military, you have to think in a certain mindset? If I didn't behave in a certain... Like, if you listen to that that behaviour I'm producing on the camera, like, when you listen to that, people go, oh, my God, that's horrendous. You go into war, you mean, you have to become like that. You have to become madness to survive madness. You can't go in half-cocked. You can't go into Basra or Alamara. This place is the Wild West. It's like 
you know, like going into Afghanistan or something like that. You can't go in there half cocked. You have so give the, the analogy of a rugby tackle. If you're going for a rugby tackle, if you've ever played rugby tackle, you, you don't go in. If you go in hesitant, you're going to injure yourself. You have to be 100% committed. Same as in a boxing match. You can't go into a boxing match oh, all flaky and wishy-washy. You, you'll get chinned, you know? You have to, it's almost like you have to psychologically come into a different mindset to, to, to survive, to survive whatever sort of. Yeah, but I, that's two different things, though. Put, putting on your war face is because you're up for a scrap. That's one thing. But, but putting on a war face when, when you're actually enlightened and you don't believe in all that horseshit. Oh, no, I, no, I could. That, yeah, you, but you, like you, I'm what, saying, it's what, taken me a long time to get there. Yeah, no, all I'm saying is you wouldn't be in Iraq if you was the latter category, would you? Because like, no, no. you, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be in the armed no. forces or, or certainly you'd be seeing your CO and saying, look, I want to sit sit this. I saw someone talking about sitting out uh, one of these conflicts and it, an expression came back to me that I hadn't heard for almost 30 years. They were calling him a war dodger <laughs> as, though, as though they were the coward. Um where in actual fact, it's a real brave thing to do, isn't it? Is to stand by your moral compass. Oh my and god! Say, yeah. Well, when you watch that, what's that thing? Heart, um, not Heartbreak Ridge, um, Hackshaw Ridge, with that lad that went into combat with no weapon. And I mean, God, what a, what an evolved soul he was. You know, you've, you've watched that yet? Have you? Yes, yes, I have. Just kept going back and forth with a stretcher, didn't he? And pulling out, was it in Iwo Jima or somewhere? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I mean. It, the the way that that conscientious objectors were treated or shot even crazy, crazy. yeah well friends coming out of uh you know revealing that they're you know they're that they're gay in the army like I mean, we had a friend called um I won't say his name but he you know really, he's a high up sergeant major now but he came out in the early two thousand and five when I think two thousand it was made legal because when I first joined in ninety five it wasn't legal to be able to go into the into the army of, uh, and so to come out in a very very masculine dominated you know and uh and he was a, he was a serious unit like so he, no one was going to say anything to him <laughs> you know he, he uh he's a he, he's a, got a lot of admiration for him for, for doing that you know and 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 making it easier for other people to come out or whatever their sexuality is but yeah it's just well, you know um, it's um mate tell me something um uh, 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 what am I saying? Um, I've had a real mind thing in my jig. It, it was the second Iraq conflict you were in, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, because we've got Mister Outsiders asking in the chat. And yeah, I was at school. I was at school in the first one. Just yeah, so you know. <laughs> but I was, I was, uh, I was on ship for the first one. Yeah. Yeah, we were. We, my friends out there would be bored hearing this, but. We were actually one of the first ships to set sail. Um, and as we pu- were just about to pull away from the dockside in Portsmouth, it came over the tannoy. Oh, no, stand down. We're not going anymore. They're sending, sending the new Atlantic conveyor. Um, but uh, yes, yes, with the second one. How old are you now then, Martin? I thought I was 47, but I'm 46. I did it a year on. I, felt I, was, sick. I was 46 at Christmas. Yeah. God, you're... Uh, just a mere whippersnapper. Well, am I 10 years behind you, am I? Uh, six. Uh, steady. <laughs> you just call me a whippersnapper. So I just took that, just did some um, deduction mm. there. So, so, I've been, so I've been back. I've been back doing therapy work. I was mm. doing some therapy work yesterday. 
mate, just tell me something. Um, this I'm gonna play a bit of your penitent. Can I do that? I'll, yeah, I'll play yeah, it off yeah. Your YouTube channel. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be good. Just don't don't give the obviously the the punchline away for the film. Well, it's your it's your trailer, so I'm guessing you've not been. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, do please do that. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna. Here we go, folks. God, excuse me, sir. I've got to cough. Is anyone watching? <laughs> I don't know how to. I'm not sure what I've got to pause. Hang on, let's try this one. Show me your war face. <laughs> you got a war face, but <laughs> I don't know if you if you could hear me then, or I don't know if you could hear me, or yeah, you probably could, but I don't think they could at home. Right, let's have a look at this, shall we? Look. So, can you say something, Martin? You got a war face pile? Okay. Show me your war face. Right. Let's play this. Right. We'll have to shush. Hang on, friends. One second. Let's just try and sort this out. Ah, we're not getting uh, desktop audio for some reason. Uh, bear with us, folks. Try again. Ah, what a dick. I had it on mute. Just need something. Get it on I had mute it on, on YouTube. I had it on mute on YouTube. Hey, hey, come on. These things happen. Right. Why does it do that immediately? It's funny, isn't it? Like... Here we here we go again. Really like grows on you this film. It'd be worth watching it again. I watched it the other night, and there's always something different you see in it. And that that again comes down to a lot of the editing that Jordan did. That I just and and then the sound as well because we had this guy called Paul Roberts who did the sound. He's done all the the sound mixing for Porridge, Only Fools and Horses. Honestly, he's let you can literally look up his his resume. Um, What's Guardian, his name? Uh, Paul Roberts. He doesn't want me telling anyone that he was doing it because uh, he worked. He did the Pythons as well. He did Monty Python stuff as well. Sound, porridge, open all hours. Paul Roberts. If you go onto our onto our IMDb page and find Paul Roberts sound, he only wanted sound dubbing. But literally, when I was going for all this stuff, not Guardians of the Galaxy, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He did that. You know the original one. Yes. He did the sound for that. Floyd. He was good friends with Keith Floyd. Did all his um. I love all the Keith Floyd fish, uh, Floyd on fish programs from years ago when he used to get drunk and <laughs> make food. Um, yeah, Floyd on fish, it always makes you feel hungry and and you, want, a, and you want to drink. Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Whenever I watch Floyd, yeah, Keith Floyd, he was amazing. But yeah, Paul Roberts did an amazing job of the sound and he really um, pulled out all stocks on, on that. And um, big shout out to, to Gwilliam uh, Guy. Guy Ravod, uh, he is a French actor who's going to play Napoleon. So you'll be getting yeah, to meet him. Is, I was pronouncing his, his Guillermo, right? Yeah, like it's, it, it, the way he explains it is like William, but Guillaume, like uh, William Ravod. Uh, so he, we just call him Guy because we, 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 yes, William, like, yeah, well, yeah, I, I met, I met him, haven't I? Mate, he is passionate. Mate, he is that that night that you came to the uh, to the premiere. When he walked down the street, that was when I came up with the idea for Napoleon because he was walking down and his hand was in this. And I went, oh, my God, we, we, why don't we make him Napoleon? And he's so passionate. He's so fiery. You know, he loves his country. This man is, like, born to play Napoleon. He's going to do loads better than whacking Phoenix. And that flipping, that shower of shite they're going to do. He watched, our Exile's going to be, it's going to be the cult version, the cult movie that people have talk about for years that goes into the psychology of Napoleon. Yes, I'm going to be in Napoleon, aren't I? You are, yeah. You're gonna, yeah. You're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go. You're gonna go deep, though, mate. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be like uh, Napoleon on crystal meth. <laughs> you, you don't think I'm gonna steal the show, though, do you? I think your eyes are. Your eyes. We're gonna do loads of like. It's gonna be a bit like Kubrick, 
Um, I'm going to start writing my Oscar speech now then. You're going to be cut in half. You're going to be lying like that and the camera's just going to slow pan in on your face. And then like when, when he's, when Napoleon's on his deathbed, this is, this is the scenes I see. Like it's going to be, it's just going to be slowing on your eyes. Like you, imagine finding someone who's just been blown in half and how long they, that it would take them to die of those sort of wounds. So that's what we want to go deep into like that psychology. And then we're going to show a couple of days of progression of what would that, you know, like in um, American werewolf in London, when he comes back, and he's sort of like each day he's rotting a little bit more. So you're going to be the rotting man. Yes. Oh. And, and the, the way I say it, it's just your eyes because you've got those piercing blue eyes. And now like, because Napoleon gets off his horse and you think, you know, when something in, in battle just sort of takes, just takes your attention away of whatever's going on. Like, you know, of all the people this man is seeing die through his, through his crusades across Europe. He gets off his horse and he's this one British soldier is just lying there, which is going to be you as a red coat blown in half, probably get Luke pepper behind you as well. with A couple of, couple of bleeding, bleeding wounds, like some arterial blood coming out or something. And you're going to be just like looking at him and he gets off his horse. And then it's going to be like, just a slow. He's just going to take in your eyes and you're sort of like looking at him. Oh my God, there's Napoleon. Like, but you're about to die. And then apparently it took four months. Uh, four, was it four weeks for the people to die on the battlefield? So imagine sitting there. What, it's, so we want to try and show that in the film. Does that make sense? So that's that's so that's going to be your explanation of, is, of uh, your exploration as a character. What would that be like? What would that feeling be like if you knew that you was on the battlefield and you got four weeks to sit this out? The psychological torment that you would have gone through, the pain you might have felt, you'd probably be slipping in and out of consciousness constantly. So I can't <laughs> wait. Is it a speaking part at all? Yeah, because when when Napoleon's dying you're going to be coming and visit him. So there's going to be quite, it's not going to just be like one day that there's going to be when Napoleon's dying on his deathbed, I'm probably giving too much away in the film, but we all know he dies. I want him to then going into the psychological torment of slowly dying on his bed of the stomach poisoning that he had, whether it had been induced from the arsenic or did the British, we're going to leave all that, the, the guessing for whatever people want to interpretation they want to put on the Napoleon film. So you see how I thought about this a lot, mate. It's not, and then it's going to be you coming to him and, and you're, almost guiding him through his last hours. Wicked. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't actually die in this one, though, mate. I haven't told you that yet. <laughs> hey, do you get that a lot? Do you get do you get what? actors that just think that they're they're going to usurp you or something? And... No, because I, I always work... Like, the thing is, you've got... To, the whole thing about collaborating is, like... I tell you, he's really, he's really good to collaborate. It was Julian Cigar, because Julian, like nine out of ten times it's going to come up with something better than you could ever conceive but once he's in the zone and he's method acting like the bit when you watch when he's when he's killed the soldiers and he just rolls a cigarette and he's got blood on his hands and he all that stuff was all his idea you know or when he shoots the kids like and the way he does it it's just effort oh my god just ruined the film right but the way he does it it's done in a way relaxed all of that stuff is all of his that's in the trailer by the way because as I was playing that trailer I thought oh my god if this podcast isn't already demonetized it definitely definitely is now i found that really hard why would it be demonetized oh, i'm saying oh now that now they're down again like that mixing it so i can't you still online yeah i'm Hello? still here you you've paused um are you still there don't leave me hang on bear with us folks you still there yeah oh there we are yeah they, they went like that and shut us off. <laughs> yeah on my screen i was still i still i kept it real dude yeah, I you. kept talking. Yeah, okay. Um, what was I going to say? Um, 
yeah, when I came to the the red carpet, the premiere, I I couldn't watch that bit. I because I'd seen it before. You sent me an advanced copy, didn't you? And I'd what mm. I what I, I, I just treated myself to an hour off one afternoon or an hour and a half, and I I watched it and did. When it came to premiere, and I knew what was coming, I just I just uh, I, and I'll tell you what it is. It's it's that shit. You know, bring kids into it means something different when you're yeah parent, yeah doesn't it? yeah no. Do you know what? For me, because I filmed it and I saw those kids running about when we were playing, actually one of them sat in the tree and ruined one of the shots because he was just sitting there watching the, the, the scene and we had to digitally edit him out. He was sitting in the tree while Babatov's doing his stuff. And I was like, we didn't see him like, and he was just sitting in the tree watching like, and it was, it was only until we played it back. So we had to, we had to literally like smudge him out. And he's like that. They sit there giggling in the tree, like watching. So it hasn't got the sting for you because you, you. For me, I just saw kids playing around and they loved it. So for me, it doesn't have that. It was. It's. I mean, this is film for you. This is film at its finest. Is it just encaptured how atrocious war is? Yeah. And and just awful, just utterly horrific. Beyond, you know, what even most uh, like. British soldiers would experience because they're not seeing these atrocities and that's what they are, aren't they? I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they're seeing some of them there or, or, or some will see some of it, but, but firsthand, you know, a father being, I don't even want to say the word, but having that done to him in front of his kids, is just, ah, ah, God. Well, that, that Jim Main who played, he's in Fisherman's Friends, Jim Main who played the guy begging, like, that was the first time I met Jim. He literally turned up in a suit and, and was speaking Bosnian. So he'd learned Bosnian the night before. He'd learned the phrases. So all those things he's gone, you was going to say something? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm in amaze that that's um, taking it seriously. But it just, it, it, what's, what's amazing about when you make a film is like you draw, you do these storyboards. Like I was literally storyboarding, me and my, I was storyboarding yesterday and uh, I've got another idea for a film. <laughs> Right, that's a woman, and she's looking up, and there's a Spitfire going over a, over a church. Of, you don't uh, use crayons, then. I just use a pencil. Pretty advanced. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm infantry. Do you hold? I suppose you hold it like that, do you? I I I still hold them a bit like that. Did you used to do sketches in Northern Ireland of little? You know, remember doing that? You go to like on Overwatch and then do a sketch. Of, I always got to do all the little drawings of where we'd been, and you did an OP. No, I I had. Do you remember those cameras and you went like this to load it? They were little rectangular things. The one that James Bond uses, isn't it? Well, like a bigger version of that. And every uh, <clears throat> week, week that I was in Northern Ireland, I filled up a film and I shoved it in one of those free envelopes and it went off and lo and behold, next thing you know, I'm getting my, I've, got, I've, got lo- I've got loads of photos of... Have you? Um, yeah, I've probably lost a few of them now, but I mean, most of them are in, are in an album. I've got all the mu- mu- murals, murals that they had back then. Yeah. Um, I was, can I just answer some um, people in the chat that are asking about life coaching or support? Join me Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, I'm doing a five day Lost to Legend kickstart program. It's, oh, not, it's not a gimmick. It's not, I'm not trying to make anything off anybody. It's just, I'll show you in five days how you go from having that horrible feeling like the world's not working for you, you know, a bit depressed, anxious, what, 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 how, 
just by doing maybe four simple things a day, like one of which is smile at the sun, say gratitude, one of which is make a salad for lunch or have a green smoothie, even better, right? Really simple stuff that anybody can do. Walk around the block, you know, easy, easy. But I do it whenever I, well, to to be honest, I never get d- depressed, but it's hard not to when you used in the old party days. <laughs> it's kind of hard. It kind of went with it. And to get over that, that kind of thing, I, I just do this and it, and it gets great results. People do it, and then they just never want to go back, Martin. You That's know? awesome. So, so, guys, if you if you're wondering, um, I'll try to remember to put a link below this video for the Zoom, and it's starting Sunday at six o'clock. I'm going to do three Zoom calls: Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then we can all report back how we're getting on. There's twelve things you can do, and if you only do one of them, your life will be better. So if you only make a, make a salad for lunch on one day, your life will be better. If you make a salad for five days, it will be even better. If you make a salad and walk, jog around the block, it will be even, even better. If you want to be really daring and turn the shower on cold after you've had your shower in the morning. and, and Yeah, I've been doing that. That's good, that. It's a good that. little... Yeah, bear it. You, you'll start off, you can do like three seconds, and then eventually you just become like a regular win wim hof but much much better looking he smokes fags than he wim yeah we've seen he smokes tabs he still smokes cigarettes and he does his he's um incredible he's man but he doesn't doesn't he look like he likes a whiskey yeah yeah but he would probably do a whiskey yeah. I, I think i think everything in, in small everything in small amounts in life you know equilibrium yeah you know i'm just quite judgmental in in the respect and i don't mean a nasty judgmental but i like to figure people out because you can see by people's vices what's going on in their head, can't you? Um, yeah. But yeah, so folks, I'll actually try and put that link. Can I can I offer something as well for anyone struggling that's in the, in the chat today? Um, I've got, people might not be aware, but I've been a therapist for the last 10 years and I do free uh, meditation videos. So if you're struggling with anxiety or anything like that and you just need to, or you're struggling with getting uh, getting to sleep, I've just done some videos for some NH- the NHS 100k people that are struggling with the anxiety and uncertainty at the moment so i've got a new leaf program uh, which is on youtube so there's loads of free videos on there i use them myself what i do is i make them for myself and i test them out on myself and they're just guided meditation videos using my hms therapy techniques and my it's basically just nlp and hypnotherapy but i was teaching it yesterday and it was just lovely to get back to it because it's been a year since i've I've taught any neuro-linguistic programming and coaching and it was a load of um, uh, door um, door staff who have who um, who run a door staff company. So they uh, uh, they're called Garden Security, and uh, run by Kev Lawrence, who's an ex army guy. And he invited us along to to do this coaching day. And what we did we just worked with all the the team, did a bit of therapy work, and then in the afternoon we did some light hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and stuff just to relax the room out. And everyone really enjoyed it. And it was just nice to get back and just do that that stuff that I've done, you know, for ten years. What's, um, what, what's the sort of best things that work? What about meditation? What can you tell us about? Well, med- meditate meditation's meditation's good. But when I first had lots, when I was you know wired to the grid and I was so angry, what I found with meditation is. Um, 
let me give an example. So I work with Vietnam veterans, right? If you go into a room full of Vietnam veterans, you go, right, everyone now is free. Lay your eyes to close. I'm going to go into, um, and I started doing a guided meditation. If I didn't put in some, what we call an authoritarian approach, hypnotherapy based, they could start unpacking them. You'd be opening up Pandora's box and all their shit's going to start coming out of the room. And that's the last thing you want. So the first thing I do when I'm doing a, um, a relaxation is going, remember your, you're in control remember you're totally in control and you're only allowed to have a positive experience remember you're totally in control and you remember you're only allowed to have a positive experience the reason why i do that is then i'm putting those fail you know like a the red bit in the pamphlet before you do your flipping uh nsps and stuff you know for, for, for rifle lessons and stuff like that that's the the little safety thing i put in because the last thing i want to do is if they've done no change work no therapy work in the past like no counseling no all their stuff might come up because they're relaxed same as when people get really drunk and then all that you know you get someone who turns into a nasty drunk it's almost like when they get relaxed when they're pissed all of their unconscious stuff can come up so when i'm doing like a when i'm doing hypnotherapy the first thing i do is i put those in place so what and it's, i've done it with vietnam met veterans who've been involved in the phoenix program so you know it, it does work so i and i just got them to experience just a little bit of gentle relaxation and and some of them really enjoyed it you know some of them said it's not for them but meditation is just like for me i have to do it every so i usually wake up every morning about four or five o'clock and i'm white and i'm wired i'm literally i go downstairs i put my meditation music on i might put youtube on and find like a a meditation that works for me you know i prefer a female voice to a male voice and then off i go and i just and i literally empty my mind and then I'm ready to go then for six o'clock for work. So, but I say to anyone out there, you know, meditation, not medication. That's the way I've always sort of rolled. Yes. And questions, not suggestions. Um, uh, when I do like HMS therapy, we were saying yesterday that, you know, they said, oh, you, you know, do, can you put embedded suggestions in onto people? I think it's like 70% of the of society. We've just seen it with what we've just gone through for the last two years. That's been mass hypnosis. And if you're trained in hypnosis, you can see the mass hypnosis they've just done. The system's just done for the last um, two years with all the subliminal programming and all that stuff. That's, but only 70% of the population have gone along with it. And when they wake up from it, they're going to go, oh my God, how did I believe in it? Because you've been, you've taken all these embedded suggestions. Oh, can I tell you about the conversation I had the other day? Um... It was with a actually after a podcast, right? Um, very, very nice, nice person. But after we finished, he just looked sort of looked at me and said, Chris, like, oh, it's oh, Martin, I wish I could have like almost recorded it. He just said, Chris, why do I live in a matrix? And and but you don't, it was something like that. He'd been watching my podcasts and he, oh, that was it. He said, Chris, it's like when you talk to people. It's like I can tell they know what you're talking about, but I don't. And I was like, ah, yes. I said, because we don't use the language of being in a matrix to, to use a, a metaphor, you know, a euphemism. Mm. He's like, right. So it's all about this stuff, isn't it? I said, yeah, yeah. It, 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 part, part of it is. And he's like, it's not real, is it? And I'm like, well, you're, you're, you know. And the point we got to is he's emerging from it and it's, fascinating to see to watch it yeah like a little bloom of a spring like a a flower but yeah being receptive and going life's not what i thought it and i'm like no everything's everything is a lie or everything yeah well yeah basically 
everything, your health, your diet, your medication, your education, your your work, you know, your nine to five work routine, your 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 news, your mainstream media, um, your music, your Hollywood. It, it's all of, of well, it's hypnosis, isn't it? It's all it's all been everyone's been hypnotized for the last two years. And, you know, there's been levels where I've bought into it because it's been so intense that I've gone oh my God, I've actually got caught in the matrix for, for, for like several months. And I, and I was like, I forgot everything I learned and everything that I'd spent deprogramming myself from that. But it took, it's hard work. You know, I work on myself every week. You I need to, do, mate. You need yeah. to. You, yeah, you, all no, the time. No, you, re- you really need to. <laughs> no, you need to. <laughs> no, you need to. <laughs> no, you... Yeah, no, listen, I work on myself all the time. And, you know, I was finding myself on a building site, losing my shit, you know, like in a sense and uh, getting so angry with, with some of my situations that I was in and and being frustrated and going like everything was being taken away from me again. And I was like, and then I worked on that and I realized that I was, I was trapping myself in those positions and I'd go back into work and I'd go, do you know what? I'm going to dig a hole today. I'm going to dig it like it's the best job in the world. And it, and it is because I'm in earth and I'm, I'm like, I'm in with the worms and I'm, and I'm connecting with nature and I'm digging this hole and I'm making someone's garden better. And it's come out and this old man who's like 80 odd, he's just sat there. He goes, Oh, thank you so much. You've done such a great job in my garden. And it's that sense of pride. It's like, whatever you're doing in life, do it well and do, you know, it's when you believe you're trapped and you're, and you're not, you can walk away at any minute. You can walk away from what you're doing and stop it. And when I was working with those people yesterday and I was suddenly doing hypnotherapy and everyone was coming out and going, oh, my God, I feel so relaxed. I feel so chilled. But after they'd done all their change work in the morning, I wouldn't even gone near the hypnotherapy in the afternoon. And we just did some stacking of anchors, which is stacking positive anchors. Um, One of it was for, for a lady that when she's answering calls to people who are suicidal and not in a good place, that we could that she could stay calm in her own peace and not take on all their stuff. Because energy is never destroyed, never created. It's only ever transferred from one thing to another. We are all energy. You talk about this all the time. So if energy is never destroyed, never created, it's only ever transferred. When this lady was letting go of her stuff in the morning when I was doing therapy with her, the guy next to her was literally welling up because all her emotions were going off. And, they, and he goes, why am I welling up? Why am I crying? I said, because she's letting go of those emotions. And if you're an empath, if you're an empathic person, you're going to be soaking up that shit. So if you're around negative people, when you suddenly start to act negative, you're 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 swearing all the time. Your your language changes because you're soaking up. You're like a digestive biscuit being dunked into a tea. You're literally soaking up. And because I'm an empath, whatever whoever I'm around, I literally. So when I go to war, and I'm not making any excuses for my behaviour in war, but those behaviours are literally. I'm just soaking up the. I'm just soaking up all the death and destruction and becoming the personification of evil because that's what's going on around me and i'm just vocalizing it yes it's i go a bit deep then today but no no mate it's absolutely spot on it's just it's just interesting that the reason i became self-employed and just started to follow my own dreams yeah is i just found being in a workplace not not a hundred percent toxic but but for it but i mean one place i work oh god god Oh, Jesus Christ. When people talk about hell, that that would be my definition of it, right? Completely losing the spiritual battle in there every day, right? Another place I worked, it, yeah, it's um yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's like I've actually been fired from most jobs. 
Um, I'm just same not, here. <laughs> I'm just not that person, Martin. I, I'm I'm right. not I'm not trying to sound better than anyone. No, not not at all. It's just I don't. I'm that square peg, and I don't fit. I'm never going to fit in that round hole ever. No, you've got to do your own thing. You're, you've yeah. got to do your own thing. And, and I'm. If, what came to me yesterday, right? Because I was for ten years or eleven, twelve years as a therapist, running my own business until the pan. The you know what happened? The pan and uh, mm. the glitch the in the thing. matrix. The, the glitch. The glitch in the matrix, right? So, and then I end up digging holes, and I'm going, "What? what hang on a minute." what's happening here like and then I was around people that at first I was judging them with my perception of being a therapist and being like this successful businessman running my own business and then all of a sudden I'm washing the trousers and doing all this shit jobs and I'm like how how does this but but then the people I was with I I was really angry towards it was almost like blaming them for my situation and then I started to look at myself kept working on myself and then I'm now working with these people and honestly I found such a bunch a group of such nice people from from the top down i get on with everyone from the management down to the to everyone on the the youngsters on the building site i realized that this is the most wonderful people you can work with i've had such a laugh over the year and i've had no responsibilities and i've just really enjoyed it chris i'm not saying and it was, it was yesterday it all came to me that of all these people um i've had so much it's the laughs the deep belly laughs that you get in the military but I've had it on a building site and I almost want to write it as a film script, like about a comedy on a building site about builders and, and but a bit like the in-betweeners, but on a building site. But yes, if, you mentioned that. I'd love to oh, see mate. it. Oh, mate. Because I started writing it and I was just giggling to myself like a little kid. It's so on PC. It's like this shit is never going to get on TV. But if I have to make it myself, I will do. And I'll just we'll stick it on YouTube. <laughs> but... As I started to write it, and I just thought, that's the thing. Every experience in life is something you can take from. And and the lockdown is just going to awaken people. And it's, yeah, you're going through a bit of a tough time, and it's going to be hard. And, and unfortunately, a lot of youngsters are taking their own lives, which is awful. But those souls have got to be remembered of, of what, what was wrong about what went on out there. And how do we never let this happen again? It's like mm-hmm. the Iraq war. The great thing about what happened with the Iraq war is never again will politicians be able to go into that and sell us a war like they've done before. Because look at what happened with Tony Blair the other week when they gave... The best thing that the Queen could have done is give that guy a knighthood. The best thing, because it just showed... I could think of something else you could have given him. <laughs> yeah, a turd in a, in a shoebox would have been... <laughs> hey, do you want to know my Queenie turd dit anecdote? No. You think I'm joking, don't you? No, they're actually... I have got one. Did you? Yeah, so as people may well know, so I was on Invincible, that's birthed in Pompey, Portsmouth. Mm. I think the Royal Yacht was also there. Um, Is this to do with turds? Yeah. And because obviously, you know, the dits fly around the Navy. Yeah. The dit that came to me was the stewards on board the Royal Yacht had a floater in a bottle, (laughs) in a jar. I'm not going to say who the floater belonged to. I'll leave it up to people's imagination oh, wow. on the royal so much there was so much air in it or the, the royal yacht <laughs> well it it let's just say it didn't go down and uh yes. yeah i would have kept that yes this is this do you is, think is, do you think our non-military friends are out there going what? i don't care okay these guys are sick i i was <laughs> yes. i was on a, i was on a bravo mfc course at warminster with a guy called dinger from two everyone who's out there is two alike or no dinger dingwall and uh 
he was ripping me because I got kicked off the course because I failed, I failed one of the tests. So I got RTU'd. So as a little treat, remember those little, the white boxes, we called them have a boxes. You probably call them something different in the, in the, in the, um, do you Marines. mean like rat packs? Rat packs, you call them. We call them have a boxes. I don't know why. No, I know no, have no, a... no, no, not, not rat. Um, they were called rat packs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember no, no. the Marines calling them. If they would, if, if you got a pack, you mean packed lunch boxes, right? Yeah. They're white boxes. Yeah. Yeah, like... yeah. And if you go on the, R- on anything to do with the RF, it's like full of luxury stuff. Like it's yeah. from Harrods or something, but if yeah. you get like it from... Perrier, a little bottle of Perrier. Yeah, yeah. But if you get it from the Navy or the army, it's just, it's got like a yeah. Gins- Ginsters pasty in there. And a... No, it wasn't a Ginsters. You weren't that lucky. It was, I mean, that, that Ginsters are bad, but they are the, it was called right. It was a right D shape and you can Google it. It was called a, a right pasty. It was called a D, it wasn't even called a pasty. It was called a D shape. <laughs> Come on, someone out there, put it in the chat. What Rights past these D shapes. Yeah, what what was the box? Uh, I I will think of it. Anyway, so Dinger Dinger was like taking a piss out of me because I had to return to, return to unit. We had Marines on this course as well, and you'll love this story here because the Marine just I'm sort of diverting it, but the Marines had this thing of taking the like like people's cat badges and doing things to them, right? Okay, yeah. So there was three Marines in my, um, I think one of them's. Or ended up in pool, like, but uh, uh, these three marines were right cheeky little monkeys, right? And they were always doing stuff to people's cat badges. And then I would, me and this kingo were going to, lu- to go into lunch, this king's regiment, right? And they'd taken his cat badge out and put it upside down. And he's walking on, went, I let your cat badges upside down. And this other lad went, Oh, they went, better not do that to me. And what they'd done, they'd I don't know what they were called, the QLRs, but they used to have like, I don't want to insult the regiment, but they used to have like a, the only way you could describe it was like a diamond, was like a piece of cheese, like, you know, the old cheese slice? They used to have a cheese slice behind their cat badge. And what they'd done is they cut out some scotch Bright. Do you remember scotch Bright to clean your weapon with that that purple stuff? It was like Brillo pad. Do you I remember? Do. Yeah, they called yeah. it scotch Bright. So they cut out a diamond of that and they put that behind his cat badge. Oh my God. I always cry out this. Anyway. They were behind us, like, and uh, they were cheeky little monkeys, always doing little little tricks like that on on people. Yeah, this, this Dingwall was laughing, right? So I was taking a piss out of me because I was getting returned to unit because I, I I screwed up on on my command appointment for my motor course, and I was getting RTU'd. So I did a little treat for him, and I left one of those have a boxes. In I think mobile phones were out then. I think they just come out, and I just got this. Fucking hell, Webby, like, you fucking done a shit in an ABBA box and left it in my locker. You didn't find it till two weeks later. <laughs> I left it in his locker. He didn't find it for two weeks. He was sat there sweating away. The room was stinking. So that oh, was a little thing. Well, that one was on me. <laughs> that reminds me of a story, but I, I, could, never tell it. I, oh. I could never tell anybody that story. It would, um, yes, it, would, it, it, it might cause a... <laughs> It would cause an international international incident. Yeah, I think I better stop there. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to find the name of this bloody Marines pack pack lunch. I'm um, sure. I'm sure what you said earlier was right. No, no. Uh, a, had... rat, a rat pack is ration pack, right? Short for ration. Right. Okay. Pack. Yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. This is ah bag rat. Bag rats, that's what they call it. Bag yeah. Rat. yeah, I knew it was something like that. And, and, and you call them saf jars for the Nor- We call them norgies. Yeah, you think those... being all connected to Norway, you would have called them norgies as well, but you call them saf jars. Yeah. What's that about? I'm, I'm having to Google a lot of this. Having some wets in the galley. That's some wets in the galley. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, we took and, those big. And, and they they would check this out, right? The Marines, right? When we was on our mortar course, right? We we would come in stinking, right? All the pongos, we would all come in stinking. Cam queen all over us, go straight to the cookhouse. They would literally miss out on their dinner because they would run back, get washed, come in. The, they would come in literally with different combats on, sparkling. They wouldn't sit down in the, in the canteen. Mate, if you, the, did, if you did that in the Marines, you'd get the fuck kicked out of you. If you <laughs> the same as if you shave with your shirt, shirt on. And I, whenever I see anyone shaving with their shirt on now, it, it makes me just cringe. Um, it's amazing how you get that shit programmed into you. Like, like, well, you it's ask, not, it, to be honest, it. It is programming to a degree. I mean, you're, it's a learned yeah. b- b- behavior. But, but would, you, would you, you wouldn't do that, surely, if you was in Iraq or on operations in Northern Ireland. Would you literally run back and get showered before you go into no, in, no, no. In Northern it's Ireland? It's not when you're operational. It's you're operational, it, right? It, it's like if you're in the field, you got to do whatever you've got to do. And and you've seen the pictures from the Falklands. The guys aren't shaved for weeks, no. and you know, oh, no. etc. Et I was going to say, you turn up on, yeah, and, and Stanley march in all, all shaven and with, oh, a, I've heard, I've heard, with like, a little iron kit in. I had stories from the Falklands, you know, because their dysentery was rife, wasn't it? Yeah. Because they're drinking out of puddles and stuff and people walking along and they were having to take a you-know-what in their hand because they didn't want to stop yomping. No. You know, if you stop for a you-know-what, you've got to, you're going to get left behind. So they just, I've, I've heard I've that. Sa- I've, heard I've that. said it, I've said it before. Other people to... just ripped their, ripped their underpants out and went, they're, they're just giving them, you know, there's not hardly anything left of them and they're giving, it, they're giving them blisters or what, whatever. But the, the thing you just reminded me about was, um, when, I think we were doing our build-up for Northern Ireland and we had a, an army guy from some regiment come to brief us on, probably, I don't want to say the word, but things that go bang, that kind yeah. of stuff, right? And uh, in the lectures, he, he said, Hello, fellas. He said, look, before I start, I've, I've got to ask you, what's this thing about, like, taking your combat jacket off before you eat? Right? <laughs> and Clive puts his hand up and goes, yeah, and we also, um, we all, he said, we, we also have a shower every day as well. Right. <laughs> like, <or> something <laughs> like, you know. And um, that was another thing, you know, you, you, if you, if you sit I, down, you look like you're eating. You don't sit down with your jacket on. Found something today that you would like. If I can find it quickly, it was to do with Ireland. Uh, I don't know if I can. I found some of my old pictures. Uh, Rick, hang on. Rick saying in the chat is a safari jar, mate. That that makes sense. A it? safari jar. Yeah, because they, you know, found all my old billies. What do you call? What do you call photographs then in the Marines? Fots. Fots. Get your fots yeah. out. I don't say it now. That sounds a bit silly. Get your fots out. We called them billies. I'm not going to find it. I'll try and find it for the next one we do. But it was uh, my chest. <laughs> the old Dead Sea. Could you see that? Yeah. The little. Is that you? Yeah. With me found my packet in the Dead Sea. Remember the, mm. the old floating in the old soldier for home? I've been, to, I've been to the Dead Sea twice. Twice. Have you? Yeah. Um, pretty minging in there. Oh, it's like disgusting, a mink, isn't it? It's like a, I could wait to get out. A warm minging oh. swimming swimming baths, isn't it? They've got yeah. shower. They've got shower. I think they've got showers there now. But um, yeah. So so um so just to just to recap on the old um on the film stuff at the moment, we're just uh, Jordan. Obviously, we've, our editor's gone to work for Netflix, so he's he's he, we've got someone in. We've got someone in there, an inside man, 
and hopefully they might go, oh, let's have a look at your film, Jordan. And um, and you've got any film scripts there? So we've got we've got Exile, we've got Grail. We're working now with a guy called Dave Reynolds, who's a producer. He just done an amazing film. I'm going to give a shout out to these. Uh, he done a film. If you get a chance to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Louisa, and he he was the producer. Now this is about the Limmouth lightboat. You would absolutely love this. You've got to watch this. It's amazing, right? Uh, the Limmouth lightboat. I watched it. it do you know what? It was lovely because it came through at Christmas, and it's it's like a Christmas film. It's an animation, and I've never been into animations like that. But this is the one of the best animations. It's up there with the Snowman and uh, When the Wind Blows. You know, like the Raymond Briggs. Um, yeah, I love all that. All I'm, all, I, I'm trying not to laugh because it, it's is it Ricky Gervais in extras where his manager always goes. When the wind blows, and he's like, "It's when the whistle blows." <laughs> <laughs> he keeps getting his soap opera wrong, um, his comedy wrong. Um, I tell you what, I was going to say. Sorry to like, I'm not trying to black cat or anything, but if you ever get a chance to watch that documentary on the Penley lifeboat going down, oh geez, oh my, it's well, I will, I will, quite I will an emotional ride that one. What? When the radio just suddenly, it just goes silent. And obviously they well, don't know. Got goosebumps, that, then. They don't know at that point that this bloody great ship has just come down and and come down on top of the on top of the lifeboat. And well, this here though, not to spoil it, but flipping out that I didn't know this story existed, and I'm glad this film's been made because the hero, the heroism of um, how they got this boat to the next village and they dragged it through snow in the 1800s and uh to rescue to go and help to go and help with the crew and then apparently that they should do a second to it because there's another story where once they got the boat to the other side this mm. this this boat they had to get it to the next village and the, the trials and tribulations that they um they then had to go out to see row out crew the ship because i was thinking oh, well, they going out to rescue the crew no they were just going over to relieve the crew that were on the boat to keep them alive until the storm died down and then they rowed back Yes, uh, it, 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 these men are immensely brave. Well, Obviously, men and women these days, but back then it was oh, pretty you much got, chaps, Yeah, you've got to watch. Honestly, you won't be disappointed. I watched it twice in the morning, and I cried twice when I watched it because it's just so powerful. Like, and I'm really pleased to be working with Dave Reynolds from that. And uh, right, I need um, I need to hit you up with something, right? Um, the uh, the old Netflix productions. Yeah, the sound on them the backing sound is always way too loud it's always louder than the vocals me well when you watch something on netflix you mean yeah it's a re what one thing that you learn when you do videos is yeah whatever if you first of all put a pair of headphones on when you mix secondly you turn your volume on 50 50 percent so you're getting what the audience is going to hear yeah then you can then you can get the background the backing track down to a level where it's not booming over the person trying to speak. Right. But on Netflix, either there either there's some softwarey type or a, a codec kind of glitch thing going on, or they're just really bad at mixing. Uh, because so many productions on there, the the noise the music's just too loud, way too loud. We just got through narcos and we really enjoyed that. I've never with with Pablo Escobar. Have you watched that one? Narcos? Um no. 
It's been said all about the Pablo Escobar thing, how they caught uh, him. Yeah. Oh, God, that yeah. was... Yeah. Do you know what? What a fascinating character he was, you know? Um, mm. And multifaceted. <laughs> but um, now we've got... Now Pablo's been taken out. It's sort of like lost its sort of, you know... And then I'm obviously... I'm watching a bit of Boba Fett at the moment. Have you been watching that? Do you like Star Wars? Book of Boba Fett? Mate, no. I never... Re- I'm going to be honest, right? Because I never, ever lie. Ever. Never. Yeah. Never, ever. I have never been able to get into... I, I've watched science fiction. I'll watch the first Star Wars as good as the next... This is not your thing, now. ...person. Well, I've always loved real life. There's yeah. so many fascinating documentaries. Oh, totally, yeah. Totally. Or even a film that's not made up, like it's a film in the nature, or it's a film about survival, yeah. or it's a film about drama or whatever. It's the fact that life isn't that shit and boring. That you No, have to, no, I totally you, agree you with that. You have to... Freaking makes sky monsters and I've never, I've never, I've that. never been into making sci-fi myself. It's always got to be realistic because I've got so many stories I need to tell. Um, hence, this one here that I'm working on at the moment is which is called "We'll Meet Again," which is about. Uh, you're determined to plug that, aren't you? Your your artwork. No, it's not. It's just that's how it starts. Though, is when I do a little drawing like that. It's amazing how I can show you a list of drawings, and they're now scenes in my film like the one with the tank and the RPG. I can't believe I drew that. And the next thing that you see it, that's the remarkable thing about making films. You draw and then all of a sudden you just see the actors come in and, and it all happens. And it's just amazing, Chris. That's what I try and get you on a film. Well, you will be, we'll get you involved, in, but it's such good fun. Like when we made the Grail trailer and we got that boat and I, you know, I bought a boat for 50 pounds and we, and I was on the beach thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, is this we're going to work? You know, we're going to put, we're going to drag this boat like 20, like, uh, I think it's like 20 odd miles around to another coast. And it was full of water. And my dad glued the back on and we put expanding foam in all the joints because it was like, a, it's probably about a hundred year old boat. You know, I'm not a boat builder. And we got it around there. And then we, the, the mist came in and we got that amazing trailer with the, you know, we had no life jackets, chucked a, load of crew, chucked a load of actors in with the costumes on, and there you are. We're suddenly transported back to 2,000 years ago, and Jesus coming in on a boat. <laughs> hey, there you go. And then Napoleon coming on the other beach. What, um, what's been your film influences then? Oh, mate, I just love can all I the take, Can I just tell you a little, another little interesting writer thing? is Some people have read Eating Smoke, particularly Eating Smoke. They just comment on the amount of film references I make, and it's just because I've always loved always yeah. love film so in my writing i'll talk i'll talk about rambo first blood i'll talk about you know highlander this the, i love, Highland. I, love Highlander. I love all Highlander. the sort of classics so, but but what are your what have been your um your um, influences yeah, i love goodfellas i love love the film goodfellas by martin scorsese i love the british films are like man um um oh my god i can't believe i've forgotten it so i love scum I literally, I religiously watch Scum every couple of months, right? Or just scenes from it. Have you watched Scum, haven't you? Yeah, it's um, Ray, Ray Winston, isn't it? And, Ray Winston. And um, and I love Ray Winston because he was in, was it Neil by Mouth? Yeah. I think it's cool, which is just. Yeah. I like the other chap in it. The guy and Mark Ryan's the, in that. Big shout out to Mark Ryan. Big yeah. Friend. Hello, Mark. Mark was going to have a word um a word with Ray and try and get him on the podcast. That would be, I'd love to chat to him because, um, that would be good. Yeah. I like the other guy that plays the, the son, the, the young guy that's, he's addicted to heroin. 
Um, it's got a double double barrel name, but he's a really class. He really plays like the London underdog really well. He there's um in fact there's a film on Netflix at the moment with him in. Paddy Constantine, I like that from Dead Man's Shoes. I'd love to work with him. Have you had a Paddy oh, Constantine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dead Man's Shoes is yeah. one of my favourite. I love Shane Meadows' work. You know, with um, he's re- he, he's he's re- a realistic director. I love all the British directors like um, uh, Shane Meadows. Um, well, they've all uh, done. They've done really well, haven't they? I mean, da- David he- David Lean is the the master, though. You know, with with what he did with um, Lawrence Arabia and Doctor Zhivago. And Bridge Over River, quite you know, I, I watch those films in my sort of um, every, every single shot. And like, if you watch Bridge Over River, quite every single shot is like a it's like a painting, you know. They're like like Kubrick, like Stanley Kubrick. If I watch Stanley Kubrick stuff, that is every every shot is a piece of art. Yes, sorry, and mate. That, I've just got up on the screen uh, just before we go past it. Neil by mouth, and it's um, Charlie Creed Miles, who who I I like. But Charlie Ka- Creeper. Kathy Burke in that. I think she was, oh, up, yeah, she's I think good, she yeah. was up for an Oscar. Yeah. Or, or it's def- they definitely walked the red carpet well, for this that one. That Mo, uh, Gary Oldman's sister's in it, Mo. The one I she was called yes, Mo on EastEnders. Yeah, she, she she was that was her first acting role. They were all just Mark Mark crazy. Ryan was t- his scene was so bad they took it out. Ah, yeah. Tom Ard Tom Ardy I got a lot of time for with with Bronson. I love that film by uh is it Nicholas uh Wendin right uh Ref and wine or something like that. He'd done Bronson. I love that film. Yeah. Um the the reason I like Neil by Mouth is it really is one of the few films that actually out outlines the the damage that can be done to a child, i.e. a boy, when the relationship with a far when the father yeah. is just into his own ego and is into his own problems and the the the, the sort of stuff and how that massively there's one scene in it where, where he's talking about his dad and he's like, he shot my dog. He shot my fucking dog, you know? And it's just that sort of shit happened in the seventies. Yeah. You know, that would happen. You'd have this dog and seven, I mean, not my old man, fortunately, but, but you know, that one abnormal that if your parent decide, Oh, we don't want a dog this week, the, the, your dog's gone and they don't, you, you didn't get consulted with that shit. You no, know? It was, it was a, it was a harder generation, wasn't it? You know, like yeah. Kez. If you watch Kez and um, Alan Clark was is probably one of my favorite my favorite directors, British film directors. But Alan Clark did Scum. He did The Firm. You like The Firm with Gary Oldman? Um, have I seen The Firm? Oh my god, Gary Oldman's amazing in that. Absolutely amazing. He is pretty good in everything. He's oh, so intense. It? It's just his like his 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 ferociousness. Like, I mean, I tried to pinch some of that sort of technique when I did my acting in. You know, and, and, and the thing is with acting, just be yourself. Don't cast people to try and make them be something they're not. Cast people to play the parts. Like if I cast you in exile, I just want you to be yourself. I don't want you to, to become anything else but yourself. You've got to play that role of a dying man. Then you just go there. And the, what's the psychological impact? And let's really investigate what's it going to be like to die over four weeks. You know, not. Mate, I am going to, I will play it low, low key. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? (laughs) I can't remember the next line. Right, Luke's taking your part. (laughs) Have I I, I failed the audition then? You'll be fine. You'll be fine, man. But um, films, films that I love is just, 
just love British. I love British classics, you know. I, I, I record. I'm always recording. I was watching Reach for the Skies the other day, a black and white film. Never seen that before. Have you seen that? About the guy, Will, World War Two guy, got his legs blown off. Sorry, he had an accident. Oh, he does his father. He gets his two tin legs, but it's a black and I was watching, I was just crying with laughter yeah. at some of the, just that old, uh, like, that that R, that old RAF sort of style. I never realised. I thought that he'd got them shot off in a dogfight, and he he, yeah. Well, we all know he went back flying. It was just training at training accident. Yeah, but no, he creamed in creamed in 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 peacetime, didn't he? And and, and I think he was showing off. Um, it does, but then that that you could see how that that energy is what. Hey, look, the, we got a blooming thespian in the chat outsider has come up with it look romeo romeo wherefore art thou romeo hmm. um deny deny they thy father and refuse thy name or if thou will not be but sworn my love and i'll no longer be a capitalist it actually says something like capulet but i i thought capitalist sounds more appropriate. Do you know I've never been into Shakespeare. I love Charles Dickens. I love all the Dickens stuff, like Oliver Twist and uh, Dick, Dick and, and Great Expectations, because I love David Lean's version of Great Expectations. I love all those classics. Luke's come up with the uh, probably <laughs> most classic film of all time that we we neglected to mention. Um, Muppets Take Manhattan. Now, now, Muppets Christmas Cow. I love that. I love Muppets Christmas Cow. Yes. I generally, I've, Muppets. Jim Henson was deep, man. If you watch a lot of Jim Henson's, like Dark Crystal and stuff like that, Jim Henson was deep. Well, this he, is the, this is the thing. It's all art is all so interconnected, isn't it? Of course, it is. When when you watch the Muppets as an artist, you're going to see a you're going to see just beauty and skill. But have you seen Dark the Dark Crystal? Have you ever watched that? <laughs> Go watch the Dark Crystal. You're I can't... feel like my repertoire is non-existent now. No, but the Dark Crystal. Can we just was talk like... about Rambo First Blood? Oh, mate, I love Rambo. Every Christmas, that's on, isn't it? Just leading up to November, you get Rambo comes on, and it's usually on for about like every other week of him. Yes, but First Blood, the actual first one, is very rarely shown, and um, I've got it's a... not. It's not every November that comes on. I record. I've got it on record now to watch because I, I didn't watch it this November. Hey, it's my podcast. I fucking say what it. It's that is rarely on. All right, well, fact check that, Luke, please. <laughs> Hang on, I get it up on the screen. Joe Rogan, can you get that? Jamie, can you get that up on the screen? Oh, that'll get us kicked off YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but what's your favourite scene from from First Blood? Oh, right. There's one scene, and it's where he's walking back to the cave that he's found, where he has his fire and he kick, kick, cooks the wild boar that he spears. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's got like the leg of the wild boar over his shoulder, and as he walks to the cave. If you time it right, you can say, you can say, Oi, Rambo, dickhead. And he goes, <laughs> like, and he keeps walking. And uh, that's, um, we had a lad called Benny Boke, and he used to recite all of the Rambo stuff when he was in Iraq. And he came over the river, and gone, send it in clear. And he went, he went, uh, Baker team to identify Bird Dog, Jefferson, Ortega, Rakawa, <laughs> Rambo, come in, John. <laughs> You got it, man. Niggas, they're all gone, sir. <laughs> My favourite scene. Not was... Jeff, not Jefferson and Danforth. They got out. Cancer man, head him down to the bone. Yeah. Couldn't lift him off the sheets. <laughs> all the agent orange picked it up in there. Didn't even know it. And oh, he doesn't talk like that, does he? Picked uh, it up in there. No, but, 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 but Benny would get a, a mic and go, 
Up here, above the snow line, fugitive John Rambo is still at large, waiting. <laughs> they are what's so frozen. God didn't create Rambo. I God. did. <laughs> now, my favorite scene used to be, um, my favorite scene was always a bit where he dived into the tree. Yeah. But then I found out that that, that, tree, was a, that tree was a stunt double. <laughs> didn't he break a rib, though, doing that? He did something. It, it's that thing. Yeah, he probably did. Um, but it's that thing where he beats up all the cops and you <sighs> just, you're just willing him to do it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All but the injustices I've, I've, in the world. Yeah, but I've came across people like that. I mean, I don't know if it was a law of attraction when I came out of the army. I came across people. I remember one day I knocked on someone's door and I was handing out leaflets to save like my dad's, like there was like a development going to go through. with, And I was handing out leaflets where they were going to rebuild this whole, um, oh, I can't they were going to knock something down, this old building, which was a World War II building where all, they brought all the D-Day dead. Uh, so I, I, I was passionate about saving this building. So I went to this person's house and, not, and he went, and he goes, he used to be, he goes, I used to be the mayor of Falmouth. And I go, you're that boy, aren't you, that, that recorded that film? He goes, your mum and dad must be so ashamed of you. And I just looked at him and I just thought, <laughs> I remember at the time because I was in such a bad place. I just sort of like, felt like crying. And, like, and I looked at him and I went, there is some real horrible people out there. But then there's a lot of good people, but. I need to get back there. I just got that. <laughs> Snap his neck. Leave him on the door. <laughs> no, that's not. That's I'm not going to do. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. that was, what did I, you say, uh, mate? I do a I do a breakdown of the <laughs> of the Vietnam movies and and because it's actually fascinating when you when you understand Kurtz. when you understand why they started to appear in in contemporary film and yeah. music. It was all. It was. It's all a very carefully constructed narrative to get us to where we are now. Where, even though you can send a whole country's military to an illegal conflict, the people in the country are so hypnotized they still they still support this conflict because they think the the guys are you know the guys and girls are heroes and. That's why you started to see the PTSD narrative, the platoon, the Rambo. It's like, hey, you gotta like feel sorry for these guys. They're, they're homecoming heroes. Da 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 da. It's why you got um, songs like, do you remember? No 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 nineteen. The average age of a combat soldier was no 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 nineteen. Paul Harcastle. And, and then you had um, a big marine named Camouflage. That 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 song. It's yeah. a very carefully constructed narrative to get us to the where status quo. <laughs> I like the, status quo. You're in, in the, the army now. Yeah. Oh. yeah, but theirs was. I more... forget I'm live actually. I'm not singing as bad as I sing on the building site. That was a weird track for status quo, don't you think? It was a bit it was too. A bit... It was a little. It was a little bit sort of eighties German sort of the the keyboard synths, a bit like ninety nine Red Balloons, and it's that type of um, that synth poppy rock shit that sneak through when you've got like adam and the ants and you've got like you know level 42 and you've got like some real great bands like um like the clash and so there's all these great bands and you've got some real crap that came through the 80s as well yeah like that yes That's... <laughs> it's quo quo in a day they were awesome yeah and i'm not saying that they ever weren't not awesome though, but i I love status quo and it's one of one of one of their song one of my favorite tracks is um is it living on an island Wait for my friends to come. Do you know I was a do you know I was in a band in the army? I was in a in a band 
and we we've just done me i've got to mention this there's a film called Fulton square it's coming out right and it's again by um it's been produced by dave reynolds and um it's starring some great actors but they they've asked for some of my songs to be played so we're going to have some music on this film uh and i wrote these songs years ago with lee kamara and uh lee carroll and you, you know steve Fowl, sorry steve mitchell who does the the song for the ley lines you know the ley line song uh in your shadow at the end of the film of penitent okay so we was all in a band together in the army in the in when we was in cyprus we made a band called the job and we went around all the army camps so put that on your on your finger who remembers the band the job in 1997 and 1998 and we played in ref we played in the forced in we played all around we played in limassol so if anyone saw a, a rock band called the job named after a poo i think we were just like a shit version of the jam but and then stevie went on and he's now in the band the, the ley lines and doing really well mega famous on that but he originally started off in our band called The Job, and we were crap. <laughs> mm. And we, 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 uh, so a lot of the music that we did for um, Diary of a Disgraced Soldier and this new film now called Falkland Square, which is about the Falklands War, um, is going to be in that. And this stuff is good because Lee Kamara is singing on it and he's playing his piano. And Frank, I wrote the Sam, words. Frank, sorry, but on the. Subject of Vietnam, Frank's bring, bringing up Springsteen. Of course, yeah. he, he. I don't sl- like him. Yeah, but don't he like slipped. Him. He slipped one by the whole nation, didn't he? Was born in the USA. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And an an anti-Vietnam or an anti anti-USA. But song. he's in, he's all in bed with flipping Barack Obama now, isn't he? Mate, they all do what they can do, don't they? And it's all, there's a picture. It, I saw a pit. I just thought, oh, man, you know. Yeah. And then he won't let anyone in on his thing unless they've had the you know the 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 thing. He went and he went on his gigs. <laughs> that was that, that was funny about Adele when it say, "No, you're not coming." Then it's all backfired, and then oh, she can't do her stupid gigs. Karma, uh, <laughs> karma's a bitch, man. Yeah, but you, could you imagine all these all these people that have gone along with it for their own selfish career gains, right? And now it's backfiring. How they must be feeling that they've been on the wrong side of history, and they were avidly avidly supporting this narrative oh. i mean well uh, um ah. anyway let's not get on that one yes let's... yes so Sorry, anyway, I should have you, brought mate up. you've been asked no that we've had a request um rick is asking you to sing i can't sing mate i was i used to write the songs and play the drums i was a drummer and no drum everyone no what, what do you call a man that hangs around with musicians a drummer you can't <laughs> sing you can't play you look awful I was like the drummer off of Commitments. Who used to be, was it, uh, what was he called again? The one that had, have you seen the Commitments? Of course. Oh, what a film that is. Mm. That was yes, all right, film. let's talk. What about Highlander? How many times have I've you I've got a message it? coming through. Uh, see you on uh, Chris Frogan from Jim, Jim Samways. Hello, Jim. Ex-Para. Shout top. out to Jim. Do you know what? He's a top lad. And me and him have stayed in touch for over 10 years now. And he loves his films. We sit and quote lines from Scum all the time to each other. And I want to get him involved in the filmmaking stuff because he's a top lad. Um, I love it. I can't believe I'm I'm just over the moon. I'm making my debut, mate, because it's... It won't feel like it when you make a film with me because we only had like one cameraman. I'm usually doing the boom for the sun. Don't, mate, don't just big, big it up for the... Video, we are video. Well, not, there's not going to be a hundred. Make, quick, make not, something up. You're not going to have your own. Look, you're not going to have your own trailer and like, like, t- you know, mate. I'll bring it with me. And all that on it. I'll bring a trailer with me. It won't be like one of those. Ask mo- Julian when Julian. It will Ju- actually be a trailer. 
Julian and Des Ed- Edwards. So Julian and Des turned up. He'd been on blooming, he'd been on uh, Game of Thrones, and Julian had just come off the set of King Arthur with Guy Ritchie. He turns up on my film set in a caravan. There's no electric. He's got a candle, right? And they got to share two little beds next to each other. It was proper cozy, like. And then the power went off, so they had no power. And I said, sorry, lads, we've got no food till tomorrow. And then my brother turns up and I said, mate, can you get a barbecue? I said, I'll give you the money later, but I hadn't had any money. So he paid for the barbecue. I said, but you're going to get a credit in the film as the catering. <laughs> so, so I'll try and find the picture, but we're all sat outside this caravan, all on, on those like plastic chairs. What are they called? Those really shit. I'll send it to you. And it's just Jane, Jane's quality. Just come, Jane's just come up with something in the chat. And I tell you what, I don't think there's ever a film that had so many extras. Well, certainly not that I know. And it's Revolution. Revolution. It, yeah, Revolution. It, it starred um, uh, Al Pacino. And they filmed part of it in Devon. Right. Like shout went out for, for extras. And I tell you what, people saying I was an extra in Revolution has just been a constant theme through my, through my adult life. They must have, I guess there was... I think it was Napoleonic or something, and they must have had all his armies. Or so what? What's uh, what's Schwarzenegger? Yeah, Jane said it, it bombed. Schwarzenegger films. Yeah, Commando. Or, I love Commando. Or I've got Sinan, that to watch. Osinan Milamira. My boy <laughs> loves that one. <laughs> Osinan Milamira. I, I love Commando. I can say just, that all night. When he gets geared up and he's got all the flipping and he just all the little and he's he's got the when he just does the two black stripes. He goes in on that island. The bit where he punches out the guy that's got the yellow Porsche, and then he climbs down the the un, the landing gear <laughs> of the plane and jumps in into a swamp. Hey, that's so cool. That is so I, cool. I love the way that he goes like that. He goes. He, so whenever we used to get on a plane, me, me and my mate Liam, I used to just go out and I used to pretend to punch to, to elbow him in the face and then go break his neck. And he goes, "Why do you do that every time on the plane?" That's what that's what Swartz Swart, yeah. does. He actually did don't, that. He did. Don't that wake stunt. him. He's he's dead tired. <laughs> he actually did that stunt himself. Did he? Mm. Shut up. Yeah. No. He. Um. They had a stunt guy brought in for it, and Schwarzenegger just said, "He's too girly," <laughs> <laughs> and then he just climbed out the plane and jumped from. I think it was actually a lot higher than it looks in the film. It was about three thousand feet. And uh, Are you a Game of Thrones man? No. No, I couldn't get into that either. I'm going to be honest, because old mate, he's well in with the old um, <clears throat> cough, cough, the old ginger lad. I'm sure it's not his fault. I'm sure he's been MK ultra since he was 13 or something. But what's his name? The ginger s- singer that's he's... Ginger singer? I don't know. Yeah. Once, you, once you've done that and then you're like all over everything and, and someone's going to put it, someone's going to put it in the chat. But Ginger Singer. He, he had a cameo. Ed, Sh- Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Oh, a, yeah, yeah. He oh. had a cameo in um, uh, Game of Thrones. you got to shut you down. They're shutting you down now for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> stuck. This, this is where the video sticks because we start talk, talking about that. Um, and, um, ah, I don't know. It's just. It's What's just your favourite all time? It, it's just that thing that, like, I feel I know why he's got the cameo in this, and then an album that does this, and then an album that does this, and da 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 da. But what are you going to do when they come and get you to sign the the old pack? I, I I don't know. I'm just writing. On, I'm just working on the building sites. That's what I mean to pay for my films. 
I just have to get better, borrow big steel like I've always done and make what I want to make, you know. But I mean, look, that's the thing. I'm so proud of that because, uh, you know, we've made it out of our own money. You know, the same as with, with diary. You know, oh, it cost me 10 grand to maybe bankrupt. <laughs> but I've got a DVD to show for it. Look, look at it. I've got loads to sell. Come on, get your, come on, get your DVD. <laughs> but again, you know, I've paid for that. That's my, that, and when I'm long gone, I've got, that's my legacy. I've got some good films out there, you know, that I'm proud of. And there's no one telling me what to do. It's like, I want to make what I want to make. I want to make Grail. I want to make. Can you imagine in in 200 years and like me and you just become mega, mega famous? (laughs) (laughs) Or they actually think that Grail's real or like that the, like, and you become like cult. And they got, they got like, these guys were geniuses. They were legends before their time, and nobody realised back. They just thought he was a second podcast just... host. This, this, book, eh? this book. Oh yeah, eating smoke, man. That was oh, it. It's classic. The, the yeah, but people have that tattoo. They can have that tattoo all over the. He went to the grave, and he never knew how. When you see someone that tattoo on their face because they love you so much, and then Chris Rule tattoos on their. <laughs> What you mean? My, are you talking about my girlfriend now? And they said about the cult. <laughs> what's okay? What's the weirdest or the kind of funniest? I don't like to call people fans because I really hate that. It's it's so like I, I struggle so with signing. I, I, I struggle with signing stuff because like when 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 that when that video came out, that really horrendous video. People coming in with news of the world, mates. Great. It was more green jackets than anything. You know what those lot are like? The green jackets are nutters, aren't they? They're like the paras of the light division. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So they were coming in going, oh, oh, Webby, we use, usually Scousers and Cockneys going, oh, sign my, sign my news of the world. <laughs> There's actually signed copies of that out there. Someone's got signed copies of me. And I did it reluctantly because at the time I was like, I wasn't in the best of place. And I was like that. And my signature is not very hard to, to replicate. It's just an M for mine. My, um, Weirdest moments since I've been doing me- media type stuff. By that, I include my writing, obviously. Is um, when I how, how was it? It was um, so some woman randomly approached me about turning eating smoke into a video game, right? Okay, and her sons were like, <laughs> I know. And basically, it was this like ex marine <laughs> running around Hong Kong, and every time he. Ch- ch- wasted it like a hong kong triad you got you know you got energy or whatever right and and when and when he ran low on crystal meth is like he started to lose his his life started to fade you know it's got like a little yeah, yeah like an energy yeah, yeah he had to find yeah. some more and yeah more, and more to crack, be honest more right, crack rocks and, and here's here's the thing i entertained it but i mean as you you know i mean it was a, I, I and i fed back to her and i and i asked her a really simple question such as you know so where would it be distributed oh, it was just something that you'd naturally ask before you sign your whole book away to a, a video game company and um she wrote me this email back how dare you listen you're just the writer of the book okay we will take care of all that is our and i'm like oh my god we've got a fucking mental on our hands right and um she's and and then she starts to threaten me with the illuminati <laughs> she's like I work with with so and so, so and so, and you know, have you heard of the Illuminati? Do you know who they are? 
Well, he's very high. He's very <laughs> very high up in the in, in the lighting ones. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, mate, could have had a different if I'd have just signed that that deal, mate. Could have. Uh, yeah. I, I I you know I I believe nothing stands in my way of what what, what I want to do in my future. You know, it's it for me. It's like you know you've just got to keep finding your own work. You know, like what, what was it, his name? Um, do it. I did it my way, I, and that's that's what. I'll do. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I turned up to Cornish Film Festival recently, and it was a horrid experience where uh, I tried to get my film into the Cornwall Film Festival. And, and to be to be honest, we haven't got into one film festival in the UK. We've got into film festivals all around the world. From you know, you know all the ones we've got into without going over them. But we couldn't get into one in England, and I think because of the wokery gender that's going on at the moment, you know, wokeism and stuff like that. And our and our film just doesn't tick those boxes. Because it's... Oh, mate, massively, massively. Think it... of my charity challenges. Like, when I ran the length of the UK, which was essentially to raise awareness of veteran suicide, Yeah. Jesus Christ, people had to, like, beg the news channel not, not to just give me any coverage, and they rocked up on the very last day Yeah, yeah. and screwed everything up time-wise, hanging around for them when I should have just been... I ran almost 80 miles in that two days after... That it was my thirty-six ultra marathon, and then I'm hanging around while the the BBC had a blooming we're having a set to with each other. But no, you're quite right. It, it doesn't. Um, well, it, well pen, pen, penitence not got in, and it was it wasn't until I went to the Cornish Film Festival where I realised how how bad it was. I literally got, I I tried to submit my film, and I kept getting all these like, no, no, sorry, we're, we're just not going to play your film because it's an hour twenty or something. And then when I turned up and then they said, oh, we can offer you a stand at the Cornish Film Festival. So two two guys, young, the younger guys that were running the sort of the, the mechanics of the festival, logistics, they contacted me, said, would you like to have a little stand? So I turned up, put my poster up and I had a few DVDs out and stuff like that. But as soon as I walked in, the lady who was running it, she just, I went to shake a hand. She goes, oh, we're not shaking hands here. And then I shook the hand of the guy. And then she goes, she goes, no, he's not supposed to be shaking hands. So she wasn't like, oh, welcome to the Cornish Film Festival. It was like just attacking me for putting my hand out to shake, to just ple- pleasantries. And then the lad who, who'd invited me said, well, you was, you was hugging people yesterday. And it's that duplicity, that, that bull crap. And then they put me in the corner and I'm sat there all day with, with a load of people that were just basically there to sell stuff. And I was there just to introduce my film went to several of the meetings. They talked about how you get funding for a film and it's so complex. And this person said that he had to rewrite his script 150 times until the BFI turned around and went, yeah, that's, that's now what we want. So why don't they just write it for them? If I had to write the script 150 times, what's, I mean, all the time that would take to do that, I can't be bothered. I'm not, you know, and it's a shame because I could get probably funding from the BFI if I was willing to bend over and, and do that to make my next film. And I've got all those actors I'd love to pay to do the next film with, but I just can't. I can't sell my soul. I can't. Yeah, but it, it, again, can't do that sh- shit. And, and all, again, it's all shaping the narrative. All these little funds, and they want you. They, yeah. it's division, they, isn't it? If yeah, you yeah. Make, if you make like a Black Lives Matter film, you're gonna be, you'll be a millionaire, mate. You know. Well, I heard, I heard this white middle class bloke, right, who who was part of the festival, talking about how he wants to do a, a film about. BLM and, and and what it's like and I thought that just goes to show how out of touch you are what the hell do you know about what it's like to be a black man growing up in England I just thought you stupid you know yeah and, and then he asked me what I thought and I just went yeah you should go ahead and make that 
and I hope you get crucified, you idiot. You know, it's like write about what you know. It's just crap. And if you could see so so many people in the industry, so so you got the film school, and it's so clicky. It's so unbelievably clicky. It's almost like they keep all the jobs within house. So and they they create all these jobs on the film set that you don't even need. You don't even need that amount of people. So I went to one of the, the meetings and they I've sat there and this guy gets up and he starts talking about it. He goes, I don't tell my students this. He goes, but basically anyone could go out and make a film. He said, you can go out and do it. He goes, I don't tell them that. He goes, because they'll, they'll think, well, why am I at film school? And he basically just said that he lies to all of his students and all that lot. And, and, I, and then I put my hand up and I go, I've made a film and we've just won all these awards. And he went, and I looked at me and, he, and like, I either he knew me and knew what I'd done or he just went, Oh, okay and then he moved on and took another question and i just said to like i said anyone out there that can do this i was trying to be positive i was trying to add to his group and then i went up to him afterwards and i went i you know i won i won the cornish film festival in 2007 i said i said i'd love you to have this copy and i gave him a copy and he looked at me took it and he went all oh, right oh, okay and and then he just cut the conversation off he's like he didn't ask who i was didn't ask i said oh i've made penitent he was like all oh, right okay and he just like basically he should have just said to me go away and I just walked away and I went I've just given him one of my DVDs that I've paid for and there's so many people I'd love to give the and I've given it to him and right now I want to headbutt him to death and I just went I, and then I went up to the lady I went oh, I'm leaving I said it'd be nice to have got my film played in she goes mm, well we we mm, we did talk about it but you've been showing it everywhere else and I said no I approached you first and she went well let's not get into the politics of it and then one of the younger lads said to me he said it, it was brought up about playing your film but they went and either it's connected with that and it's not woke enough for them. And I just, I thought, I'm from Falmouth. I'm a Falmouth boy, born and bred, right? I'm a Cornish man who's made a film with no money. I've used Cornish actors. Everything is from Cornwall, right? And it's a Cornish film festival and you can't play my film. And then I, I went back and I stewed on it, stewed on it. And I spoke to a guy who's in my film, who's an who's, um, American actor. And he said, I think you should get it off your chest. So I just wrote this email to this this guy for you you talk about inclusivity you talk about we're inclusive we want everyone to feel welcome but you're not you're clicky in your stupid university clicky bubbles i was like you know i'm never ever going to come to your festival again unless you lot have all been completely obliterated off the planet because you're, you're everything that's wrong about the film industry you're everything that i despise about the film industry and uh did you shove a turd in it i really wish i stuck a turd in a box and just went the I've guys that. on the Royal Yacht, mate, could have sorted you out. Oh, mate, it's just so clicky. It's so clicky. And I, yeah, people I, send I, me emails all the time and say, oh, I'd love to get on your film set. And I say, keep in touch. And if they send me like three or four emails and they'll constantly, I'll say, look, I know that person's keen as mustard. And I will try and get me on the film. Obviously, I've got money to pay people, but I do my best. I would never, ever turn anyone away of, you know, of. but I just find it all so... They just want to keep their little club and you have to go to university and you have to do three years. And, you know, that's just not possible for a lot of people that come from council estates. In this it's not just that. It's the whole, you know, it, university is a, it's a system of indoctrination into a certain system. And the system, you know, there's three guesses who controls the whole system. Well, the same well, people well, Jordan, Jordan, everything. Jordan, Jordan, who made our penitent, right? He's at university. He's. He's like, I don't know, God knows how much in debt to pay for his university degree. They didn't even teach him. He's, if it wasn't for him editing Penitent for the two years, doing his own self-taught stuff, but he didn't have any lectures, nothing. So what's he paying for? Mm. You know, and he's pissed right off and he didn't get the best of grade that he should have done. 
and he's made a feature film. Again, it just feels like that. That, but we rise above it. Keep making the films. Keep doing what I'm doing. I'm never ever going to surrender. Ever. It's just going to be pumping out. And I reckon in ten years' time, I'll probably have another three films under my belt. I will. No, I will have another three. What, films. What about? Um, see, I've just been. I've just been. I've been approached a few times actually by these kind of. It's like the websites, but they're online. They're online content companies, so they host a whole range of stuff and they want a load of well they've offered me a show on there and all this sort of stuff but i'm a bit to be honest chris you got to make it yourself yeah i'm I, like if you pay if, you know i don't pay, think pay anyone me, can pay make me your... what i'm worth and i'll consider it but no but you... I, I i i can put you in enough touch with enough people right now who, who would be keen enough to to make your and the thing is is you've got to make it yourself you've got to direct it yourself and I know yeah, no, that I'm, you're. I'm not talking about making a production. I'm talking about like someone's offered me, like I've been quite a few. T- I've been offered my own radio show um, on one of these. Like um, can't even I can't even remember what the, what what the deal was. LGBT FM. No, it was. It, 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 no, I, it was it was a big. It was quite a big. You know, got a lot of airtime is what I'm trying to say. But I've also been offered this show on a internet <laughs> kind of malarkey thingy midget do it. But, but i do don't it. think they really understand what who <laughs> do, i am i think they think i'm this you know i don't know you know but yeah alex belfield's just been asked the same many i don't know if you're familiar with his channel but i do watch his stuff and uh he's been offered to go on gb news and stuff and um you could go on as the 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 war correspondent for gb news that'd be good <laughs> get you onto the ukraine <laughs> There in. is the uni, and Jack, gosh, brings a tear to your eye. <laughs> yeah, I can picture it now. I counted them out, and I, I love, counted I, them I, in. I can never fight against Russia because I love Russians. I love Russia. Oh, mate, it's all. So I just, good. I just love that. I love that 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 uh, Russian attitude is just. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, mate, I... mate, all people are wonderful. Come on. You know, yeah. No, no, well, no, you know, there's a few like. I'm a big fan of Russian 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 slap competitions. Have you seen that when they slap each other? Have you seen the? I've got a vague recollection of seeing that sort of thing. They they got like you know, remember over the top when they got like a handle and they've got a remember the the and he's because when I turn my cap around, that's like a switch. Remember that over the top? Yeah, I do. And they got like a handle on the table. It's like he he is he's a try of driving his truck. He used to have like a weightlifting thing, didn't he? Remember? Yeah, over the top. Yeah, because his kid's in that one, isn't it? Yeah, not, not his real kid, but yeah. Anyway, so that that, but it's like that that setup. But they've got to literally, they've got to slap each other, and you've got to stand there and take it. Slap fighting, it's called. Oh mate, and there's this guy, and he he hits this lad, and his eyes like spin out in his head. <laughs> they they're not gonna have much, <laughs> and blood comes out of his ear. <laughs> yes. I'm into I'm into things like that. I I shouldn't be, but my mate showed me a video yesterday. His drunk bloke, drunk bloke, walking across the road, and he's so drunk, he's like that, and his head's like it's like someone's pulling his head, and he's just trying to walk straight, and he just walks into a bike. And, and, and his videos like that, I just can't help it. It just make me. They just they, they give me a, a purpose to live. People getting hurt in videos. That's <laughs> well, like you know when you see people on building sites doing daft stuff, like you know the ones with the. Have you seen the one with the exploding chairs, like where they put like a, oh my god! Yeah. When I see a human being that's just like like being. Have you seen somebody? (laughs) 
Have you seen some of the Indian building site ones where oh, they're chuck, chucking the bricks? Oh my god! They're and they start there. with like two bricks, and then it's four, and then it's six, and then the next thing you know, he's picking <laughs> up oh, like on the bamboo scaff on the 20... bamboo scaffolding. Yeah, and he just manages to throw twenty bricks up in the air, and his mate catches all of them and throws them to the next guy, or he's just throwing one like that, pew, pew, throwing these bricks like he's some sort of. <laughs> oh, you've seen it when they're doing the JCB, and they're like they're literally on the. They're like the cranes at full extent of the arm. I freak out on the building site when I see what the, the Taliander does. Michael, the ex-tanky, and he's like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like miles away. And he'll be like, I'm just such a bad driver. And I wouldn't trust myself to do anything like that. But you know, when you see the one where they get a strop and put it around the, the bucket and then, and then the guy gets in it and then they spin the crane around, they, <laughs> the, they spin the digger, the digger, Turret around. The and he's like, the a, oh my God. Yeah. Imagine like a health and safety officer coming around the corner seeing that. Yes. I love shit like that. I just love blokes being stupid, being kids. Yes. It just makes me laugh because my, my son won't, when he sees someone get hurt, in, you know, you watch like epic fails on YouTube. Um, he just laughs his ass off. It's so funny. Talking about going back to films, like look at Buster Keaton, look at, um, Harold Lloyd. Remember watching the Harold Lloyd in the eighties? They sort of oh, brought it back massively. on. But he's like climbing up a, he's climbing up a multi-story block, and he's got like a suit on. He's yeah, got what, a... About, what about the one where where the facade of the building falls down? Yeah, that was Buster he, Keaton. Yeah, it stands there. No, it wasn't. That was or Charlie was Chaplin. Bust, one of the two. This is Chaplin or Keaton, and the so, window just goes over him, and he's just just in the. It's the door frame. He's in the door frame, and if that, it, it literally. But how would you? How did they work out the trajectory of the... <laughs> I tell you, they ran the film backwards, so it didn't actually fall down on him. They lifted it up and speeded... See? How, you see how, would, how... No, but how would you get the, the, the dust particles? That's like the moon landings then, isn't it? Yeah, no, to be honest, I think they were that mental that they just let it fall on them, but... No, they were mental. They, or like the, the one with the sleepers, and he's got the sleepers on the front of the train. Yeah, what about the people that... Go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. <laughs> I can imagine a Royal Marine doing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt, hang on. Manchester Girl has just given us £20 in the chat. That is incredibly kind of oh, you. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you very what much. an absolutely lovely gesture. Yeah, um, ten of each. <laughs> I'm get, no, I, I, you'll get two quid, mate. I'm going to give you... Um, no. You don't keep you that too. Me, you probably owe me two quid though for being your mate, don't you? Yeah, I do. That's very kind. Is it must be oh, an enjoy- that is, that No, it is really kind because yeah, thank you. That's no, good. Thank you. Well, I hope, I'm glad we've entertained people. I'm gonna have to go because um my my, you know, my kids I'm are going to bed. No, but my kids are going to I'm bed. Not boring and, you. No. So as we end, what's your top five films? Top five films. Oh. This would be so unfair because I'd name five and then I'd remember another five that were actually my betterest but ones. Figure, but figure the, right. figure the ones that just... Okay, that just I, I'll it. tell you ones that I can just watch time and time again. So Highlander, uh, First Blood, uh, The Beach, because I've got a bit of an affiliation with Thailand, having been there quite so many times. Um, oh, my God. Um, mate, it's things like Seven Samurai for me. It's just... There's a bit in Seven Samurai, right, where they're trying to recruit the other six samurai and they're in this, like, Japanese house and the first guy comes as the app to apply for the job as, you know, this, this to go and base it. 
you, everyone's seen Magnificent Seven. They 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 protect a village basically from these bad kick the bad dudes out. So they're interviewing people for the role of you know vigilante, and um, he says right, the first guy first guy's coming for his interview. Hide behind the door. Take this stick. Try and hit him over the head. Right, first guy comes through the door. The guy goes to whack him, and this guy's like, "Whoa, ultra ultra ninja samurai dude!" Right. Next guy comes to the interview. He's like, "Whoa!" Just blocks the stick before before you even see it moving. Right. So and it, so on and so on until the la till the last guy till the seventh samurai, and he he comes through the door, and the guy just fucking whacks him full on with his stick, and he's like, "Oh." <laughs> what do you do that for? <laughs> just Kurosawa, absolutely yeah. classic. Just, I've never watched. I'm, I'm saying we just watch sorry. That. I want to watch Greg, that. Speak. Greg Shrimpton, what a wonderful gesture as well, mate. Jake, um, Greg has just um, Manchester girl raised it twenty pounds, and Greg has just called her. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's very kind. Thanks, man. Thank you, Greg. Really, really Cheers, appreciate Greg. it, bud. Yeah, so. Hang on, what was that? That was three films or four. So you got um, to, you got fifth left. Oh, so seventh summer. I'm gonna. I, I need to watch that because do you know what? I've watched clips of oh, it. So. I'll tell you what. It's all gone, Pete Tong. I never watched that. Was oh that man, if I think because of my kind of you know overcoming yeah. certain certain substances, let's say in the nineties, about twenty five million times in my life. Um. Uh. Oh, it's all gone, Pete. It, for friends at home who haven't seen it, it's about Frankie Wilde, who's an Ibiza DJ. That's um, Paul K. Paul K. Plays it, played by Paul K. I love Paul K. Yeah, yeah, brilliantly. He's he's a really good actor as well. And he's an Ibiza DJ at the top of his career, and he loses his hearing. Right, that's a true story. Yeah, and he tries to fix it by having absolute silence. In, in in what what looks it ends up looking like a mental pad because he pads all, all he, he silences his whole house and then he lives there basically in shit for you know a, a year and the only thing he eats during that time is is cocaine right but it's got such a like an awakened ending to it that anyone that's been there or you know been through strife in their life will just massively relate to it um and it and it's hilariously, hilariously funny. Pete, someone will say something to him, and he'll go, "It was great to almost hear that." <laughs> <laughs> it's just Paul, brilliant. Paul, Paul was Dennis Pennis as well, because I was massively into that. But not so much Dennis Pennis, but he did a character called Mike Strutter. Yeah. Have you ever come across Mike Strutter? No. Can I just say, when he did Dennis Pennis, his one regret was, I think it was Steve Martin. He said, "So, uh, Steve, uh, how come you're not he's funny, anymore? funny anymore?" <laughs> yeah, and apparently Steve Martin was going through like a real bad, uh, bad time in his life. And do you know what? That came to my head then. It's about planes, trains, and automobiles. I was watching that at Christmas. What a funny film that was! Oh, planes, yeah. trains, with 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 uh, with John Candy. Yeah, let me try. <laughs> let me try and find this, and we're definitely gonna get the jerk. Was good, wasn't it? The jerk. The jerk was brilliant. All all that era was great. Right, I'm going to play this, and we are definitely going to get with your warm up. Right, friends at home, I am going to pause this every five seconds because this, or every few seconds, this is probably one that's going to get us um, in problem. But Martin, just bear with us, and I'll tell you what I'll I'll 
I'll second rately explain it to you. I can't talk when it's playing though. No, 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 no. You are forbidden from talking. Right, hang on a sec. I'm even going to get us off the screen. Dun, dun, dun. This has got to be one of the funniest clips I think I've ever seen. Right, bear with us. Now, as I've said before, modern life in the city is full of hidden dangers. Why are we here? We are here to learn how to defend ourselves against these dangers. This week, we're going to be looking at how you can use the negative energy of a would-be assailant and turn it into a positive force for your own self-defense. In other words, turning their aggression to our advantage. Okay now, Ryoki, I'd like you to play role of attacker in this demonstration, as if your intention is to do me genuine physical harm, okay? When you're ready, come at me. Come on, you fucking slag, you fucking want some? Fuck your fucking head, come on, you fucking want some? I'll fucking teach you a fucking lesson. What you fucking looking at? Come on! Ingolan, Ingolan, Ingolan! Right, if you'd all like to split into pairs, please. I don't want to see any Jackie Chan bollocks. I want to see some windmilling in. And if you've got a set of keys on you, stick them in your hand and make them count. That's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, I didn't see it. I don't know what you're laughing at. Oh, it, I'll send you the link. It's, it's um, Steve, I'll watch this back. It's... I, I don't know the character, uh, but it's Paul K. He's saying Paul Garner here. I don't know if that's anything, but he's this. Uh, he's, they're in a dojo. He's mm. got all these Japanese ninja type, type stereotypical people, and Paul K's given. You can't see him. He, he just sounds like some kung fu master in the background. He's saying, "Right, fellows, today we're going to learn how to defend ourselves." So, Kato. I want you to come at me. And as this, this guy steps forward, out steps, steps his, <laughs> like, I don't know what he is, like a, a chavy mod, goes, right, come on then. If you think you're hard enough, <laughs> he's like, he can learn, he can learn. <laughs> it's, um, yes, yes, just incredibly funny. Anyway. Um, Did you like the old, do you remember like, uh... Gene Wilder and, and Richard Pryor when they would do all the, you know, um, what are they called? Sil you had Silver Street and then you had... Um, what, the scene, not no evil, hear no evil, that? Yeah, that one. And it was the one when they, they're they dressed as two birds and they do the they get done for the bankroll job and it's stir-crazy yes. when they end up in the prison. They end up in the prison and then that, that's that guy... Knocking around, I think that's knocking around Netflix. I might... might he goes, even... goes we got to get bad. When they walk into the prison, they go, we got to get bad now. And they go, yeah, we're bad. <laughs> I get fascinated by the, the let's Richard just say, the, the substance side in all of that. You know, Richard Pryor was just so like, um, yeah. massively into it at one point. And... and if you listen to Gene Wilder talking about it, it said it was really difficult to work with. He said, because he was... Because they really they were so funny on screen, but yet he said you could wait hours for him to be in the right, obviously to come you know come down off whatever he was coming down. Or like John Belushi as well, you know he was another one who was. They were just amazing, um, amazing uh, comedic actors that were 
obviously in a lot of personal turmoil, weren't they? You know. Yes. You see Animal House when John Belushi um, climbs up that ladder, and then they just do the they break the the fourth was it the fourth wall? And he just looks back at the camera, and there's some girl getting undressed, <laughs> and he just and he just goes. <laughs> I mean, National Lampoons. We, I insisted we watch Christmas Vacation this Christmas. I watched it. I watched. I recorded it, and I made my daughter watch it, and she oh, it was crying with laughter. And also, Monty Python, Life of Brian, is just another. Just yeah. you can just watch that so many. The, the, the meaning, the meaning of life is really good as well. And you, you Americans, you're all alike. You're like, hey man, I just want to tell you something. <laughs> But you're dead, so shut up. <laughs> the best film is called Eating Smoke, and it's not actually been made. There you go. You're trying to get me, you're going to try and get me to make this? Well, I've said this loads of times, but I've been... In pro- 10 years' time, if you haven't got anyone to make it, get, get, we'll, 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 uh, we'll have to cast someone like Brad Pitt there to play you. Cause yeah, gonna... I'm, 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 I might think about it, because, um, yeah, I've had... You know, like... Uh, we, William Morris is like the biggest talent agent in, in LA, isn't it? They 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 met, e- emailed me and say, could they have you know are the, are the rights available to it? I'm like, yep, you can have it. <laughs> of course you can. It, didn't but it, they they didn't get back to me. And it, I tell you, what, I tell you, he is a good amazing actor. I love watching Tom Hardy's work. I, I, I struggled with his last one on, on when he played um, Al Capone. I didn't enjoy that, but like when I watch Bronson and. Um, the characters he's played, like from Peaky Blinders and stuff like that. The um, the one where he was the Spitfire. Yeah, he was good. Pilot. Yeah. On the evacuation, when the, the lads are trying to Dunkirk get back. on Dunkirk, yeah, they're yeah. trying to get back from Normandy, and he's just flying around. And I just like the way he played, downplayed it. He didn't try to be like it was just the way you you just you believed that he was a gunner, and it, you know he was a Spitfire pilot, and he was doing these um, carrying out these functions. I've flown a Spitfire. Just oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's in my um it's resume in my video channel, folks. If you want to watch an actual Spitfire converted into a like a simulator, we, we we've got a we've got a spit we've got a Spitfire. That that that's this whole thing of this this film I'm trying to make called uh, We'll Meet Again. It, we've got a Spitfire. This is how I was wrote, wrote the script for it. It's called We'll Meet Again. It's about a Lieutenant Go, a true story of a young. Spitfire pilot who was who was flying from um, St. Evel in, in Cornwall, trying to get back to his base in Seventh of in St. Evel in Cornwall uh, during the Second World War, and he'd run, running out of fuel, run off course, and at night, obviously, they couldn't land so so well at night, could they? Because they didn't have like landing strips, couldn't put, and he was off course, and he crashed in Morla, which is about fifteen miles from here, crashed and died. But the, the tragic story behind his death is the fact that his girlfriend at the time didn't know that he died and didn't find out that he died in the second crashed. She just thought he'd blown her out, but the mum didn't like her. So she kept that from her and she didn't find out that, that Lieutenant Goa died until 2007. And then she went back to so this whole film. This was filmed as well, that she went back to the church and looked at his grave and she just thought she'd been dumped. How mad is that? So I, I created this whole story of, of Lieutenant Go around what would that last half an hour be like if you was in the cockpit of a Spitfire and you like, you know, tell my, my partner, you know, I love her and I want to get, I wanted to get married to it. He knows he's going to die. So there's this whole conversation between, so it's like, um, the spit, what would that be like? You know, the dramatization of 
the conversation between the radio op and then the radio op realizes um she's got to in, inform the the headquarters and they said right we're gonna have to redact this information and we can't pass on that message that i love you and then obviously it goes to the mother and then the mother goes no she's not to find out so so th- we've created a love story that's based on true true a true incident but obviously that we're going to add some we've had added a script in there so every uh, every bloody pilot or air crew that lost their lives he was nine is, he was 19 it, he was nine there's a story in all of them isn't there but imagine being a child up there i mean i couldn't even i mean you've flown a plane but i couldn't imagine flying a plane I'm, i can't even drive a car properly i could drive a car but i'm not I'm not very good at it yeah, imagine trying to get back from bloody france over the channel in fog or in cloud with no instruments just oh, head, heading on and how, rough, how, rough how cold it is yeah you're in mental a... i'll tell you what one last story then right when you was young well did your old man ever come out with a story and like he'd never told you it you he'd never ever told you and when he told you you were like why didn't you tell me that before yeah well this is one of those stories so my dad was at school putting the cricket nets out and um he said he heard this noise and he looked up and a and a RAF pilot flying something like a spit spit spitfire had um he'd he'd had to eject from his machine or jump out of it and his chute had Roman candled. Mm. And my dad went he yeah he said he just went just died on the floor in front of me. And I was I was about I don't know, like 19 or 20 when my dad told me this. I'm like, you never told me that before. You're like, no. <laughs> what? Yeah, but he might have, might have been traumatised by it. And, well, and that generation were just, they didn't speak about things it like just, that, It was just, it was just, there could have been all that going on, mate. It was just one of well, those... well, my nan in Falmouth, who grew up in Falmouth, you know, she she was going to school and literally watched the whole road get torn up by a, by a German German plane. Like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the right, terminology for what the right plane was but and then and then my other nan was, yeah i'm not talking about the plane i was talking about you yeah but the but my, my other nan was from italy and um so my granddad was in the uh in the duke of cornwall infantry coming up through africa and then up through italy and she would tell me that she would hear on the on the radio uh this is radio, uh, radio london radio london the british are on their way so she could hear the troops you know and then she met my granddad and he was like 10 years older than her and, you know, asked to marry her and like their marriage photograph is in a bombed out city. Mm. But she remembers being kicked out of her house, um, kicked out, kicked out of her, um, out of her house by the Germans would have to go and get water for the Germans. You know, so her bedroom was apparently she told me was, was used as a gun, a, a gun emplacement. So phenomenal stories. And you just think that's only 75, my- 80 years ago. My dad was digging in the back garden. We lived in a little village on the edge of Dartmoor. And he dug up a, a, a shell from the Second World War. <laughs> big shell. That Brought big. it in. <laughs> you know the one, it's like a, like the tip of a pencil. It really, yeah, yeah. It, it, they used to just, I guess it was some sort of incendiary. and um, Turned and it into an ashtray. So just had it by his chair like that. To well, no, up. it just, it, we called the police, as you do. And then we all stood in the front window, looking at it out the window, looking at the looking at the bomb in our garden, as if like a piece of glass is going to protect you from it. Yeah, you'd have been and, well protected there, mate. And like my dad's right, and nobody go near it. Do it right. The police are on the way. The pl- copper rocked up, 
looked at it, picked it up, chucks it in the boot of his Cortina and buggers. <laughs> oh no, it starts with that. But it would have been, it would have been. Um, I'm getting... I, 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 I was in mortars, and when we used to have a misfire on a mortar on the eighty-one minute mortar, we used to, we used to have the the tool removing um, misfire round. And it was always like you literally it went down the top of the round, it clipped onto it, and then it was like these these um straps that you know, like webbing straps. So you would pinch the webbing straps, you'd never hold it with your hand because if that round just suddenly goes shoots out, obviously it's gonna rip your hands off of it. So you used to pinch together, one would be on one number one on one side, number two on the other side, and you would just gently pull out this round, and then as you pulled it out of the barrel, you suddenly, you know, this thing has been ignited. And then you have to walk out 40 metres gently, calmly walk out. But your heart was in it. You know, I, I hate it. I never liked handling grenades. You know, you just think this shouldn't be in my hand. Remember priming a grenade and then screwing it on. Like, yeah. and you, oh, and then putting it and then putting it in your pocket. <laughs> no, I never actually got to do that. Oh, we, oh. We, that's, that is actually part of Royal Marines training is you have to chuck a grenade. But for some reason, we never did it. Really? Yeah. We, we, had, we had we had we had a raw engineer in in Jordan. We was doing a grenade range, and uh, I remember Craig McBurney. He was he took this raw engineer up, and he he was just going on and on about how how experienced he was. And there's no 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 judgment of any raw engineers out there because I've I've trained raw engineers. And it's just this one raw engineer guy that was working with us, and he just he, he went like that. He done the old because he's supposed to chuck it like a stone, aren't you? You aim and you chuck it like a stone. You don't do because we we obviously. When we was kids, we used to like throw it like a like we were bowling over. I don't know why. Okay, I thought, I thought and he literally did that. I thought he you just had threw to it. Bowl it. No, he literally threw it in front of himself like that, and literally the grenade just dropped. <laughs> and then Craig just grabbed him, pulled him out the way quickly, and it went off. And literally, he had a bit of spring in his ass. I was like, and yeah, one of my mates got severely hurt, and ended up with PTSD from teaching people, uh, red asses at, at Catterick and again threw the grenade in front of them insane brother <laughs> listen let's 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 cap it there yeah mate been so a great I got, night i got a photo, photo shoot to do <laughs> i think it's vogue this time or one of the yeah i, I lose track you know i do i do so many um but, well, thank you, thank you, audience, for tonight, and I've really enjoyed it. Well, yes, let's just say a massive thanks to Manchester Girl and Greg for your kind oh, thank you, Manchester support Girl. of the channel. It thank really, you, Greg. Really, really does mean, mean an awful lot. And to everyone, all the wonderful people in our chat who've been incredibly well, um, well behaved. Thank you ever so much. Um, quite a few names there. Thank you to Luke for everything. And Here's Luke. And thank you to you, mate, for being you and for being my mate and for coming on the show again and for spending, coming up for almost three wonderful hours with me. I normally, no worries, have, to, I normally have to pay people to spend <laughs> time with me, but... And if you, want to watch, if you want to watch my film for free, Diary of Disgrace Soldier, I think there's a link below, so check it out. Yes, link, links below for Martin's stuff, so get on it. The, the Diary of a Disgrace free. Soldier is a must-watch. It's um, a good laugh. It's a right good comedy. Well, for, a, for anyone that's joining, joining late, it's the story of Martin in Iraq uh, when, they, when his, his, um, re, his battalion grabbed three, like, Young or was it three? Oh, it doesn't really matter. But three youngsters that were rioting and chucking grenades over the wall and all this kind of stuff, 
and um, Martin was the guy that filmed it, and he got in big trouble with the news. Well, it was ex- you know just, just watch the film, just yes. watch the film, and, yes. and it works. And penitent, on penitent, we're going to get that squared away. We're going to get that put on one of the channels um, soon. So come into a to Excellent. a TV service station near you. Excellent. Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. Don't uh, feel you've got to stay on the line. I'm just going to play us out. And um, or you can stay and say goodbye. It's completely up to you. If but... I can stay and say goodbye, it'd be great, mate. Yeah, cheers. Cool, cool. Massive love to everybody out there. Look after yourselves. If you can like and subscribe. Hey. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.